This show is brought to you by Horror on the Go and Horror Movie Podcast, and it's dedicated to every listener who has decided to count down their New Year's Eve with us. This one's for you. Happy New Year and welcome to Horror Movie Podcast, where we're dead serious about horror movies. We have a bi-weekly show that's released every other Friday, and this is episode 79, and it's our top 10 horror movies of 2015. This show is also simultaneously the January 1st, 2016 audio broadcast for Horror on the Go. And I'm your host, Jay of the Dead, and I'm podcasting from Salt Lake City, and my co-host tonight is... Wolfman Josh. Jay, I could look like someone you know, or I could be a stranger in the crowd. Whatever helps me get closer to you. I like it. (laughs) Well, welcome. We don't have Dr. Shock tonight, and I'm very sad about that. The reason he's not here is because he doesn't really get to the theater very much in the year, you know, because he's he has a DVD infatuation. <laughs> Something about a DVD infatuation, yeah, I was going to say. It turns out. And so he's not here, but we will be joined later on by uh, Dr. Walking Dead, Kyle Bishop, just for fun. But as I said, Josh, this particular show is a special dual broadcast, and it's a special edition of Horror on the Go, where I'm sharing hosting duties tonight with the horror podcast legend himself, Mr. Bill Shetty. Would you like to welcome your crew, Bill Shetty? Absolutely. Welcome. Our on the go crew. Sorry I've been away a while. It has been a total nightmare on my end, but I'm glad to be on HMP where they review the hell out of horror movies. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank you. And, and I got to give Bill Shetty some credit tonight. He has been working hard to get this connection going. Uh, he's he's not at his usual studio, and he's making a lot of uh, sacrifices to try to get this to work. So thanks, Bill Shetty, and hopefully the listeners will be patient with us as we try to get Skype to cooperate tonight. Oh, and thank you, fans out there, man. I know my voice sounds pretty lame. <laughs> I'm on all sorts of different connections here in the middle of nowhere, really. <laughs> um, no, thank you, Jay, because I know you are going to have an editing mess. Going <laughs> no, on. That's all right. I just want to tell people here, so the year in review for Horror on the Go 2015, the Horror Movie Podcast listeners here who aren't familiar with Bill Shetty's horror internet audio broadcast, you can find it at horrorontheGo.com. And I'd like to just highlight kind of just some of what you've been covering in the past year. And um, I just want them to know what they're missing if they haven't heard your show before, Bill Shetty. Like, for example... Back on October 1st, you did your Grizzly Zone reunion, where you talked about three topics with your old co-hosts, Boss Butcher and Crucifix, and um, that's a good one. Enjoyed that quite a bit. And then uh, September's show was Lady Phantom. She's a Planet Macabre alum, and she gives Bill Shetty the the question treatment, poses 10 horror-related questions to him, and he only gets three minutes to answer. That show is very entertaining. That was really fun to do, man, because I had no idea what she was going to answer. <laughs> she, just, cool. she just fired him at you. I loved it. And then um, in August, you and uh, Crucifix reviewed the uh, Human Centipede trilogy, <laughs> which is, mm-hmm. and it's always fun to hear Crucifix. She cracks me up every time, Bill Shetty. Oh my God! Stay away from the Human Centipede Part Three fans out there. <laughs> Hopefully, you didn't watch it because it is a total waste of time. So that is the dud of the year there. <laughs> yeah, we we got some listeners with similar sentiments in our feedback. I can't wait to talk about that. 
But then in July, you did um, Independent Horror with uh, Max Cherky, where you talk about the state and influx of indie horror movies. So that's fun. But but you know what? Your June edition was my favorite of 2015. Because, oh, sure it was. <laughs> <laughs> because that's when you discussed the horror genre classification with yours truly, Jay of the Dead. That was fun. Yes, that was some nice battling going on there, Jay. I think I won as usual, but it was fun. <laughs> of course you think that. And then in May, i got to congratulate you. This is several months late, but in May, you hit your one-year anniversary for Horror on the Go, so that was a great accomplishment. And um, also in May, you did uh, Horror Remakes with Little Miss Horror Nerd, and of course she's from the Resurrection of Zombie 7 podcast. Yep, sure did. And, yep. it, and my format had changed too, Jay. To let your fans know, my format used to be a review, and I completely changed that to getting guests on because I didn't really have time to watch horror this year, man, believe it or not. That is but hard to believe. Good, I got a good top 10 list, I think. Oh, I have I no doubt. Pretty- and then um, I just want to tell people too, we're, we're almost done here, but I just, your audio broadcast is one of my favorite things out there. Um, in April, he did Why Dolls Are Scary, and that was with Lady Phantom, who's afraid of dolls and such. And then in March, you did a genre mashup where you talked about blending genres with actor Paul Cram. And you also did a found footage episode with our buddy, Boss Butcher of Terror Troop. Yes. And Thanks for the rundown, Jay, because that started at that March 2015 edition was when I went to the guests. Because before that, I only had very few guests and I was just covering one horror movie because I was on the road constantly. So it did switch and I have been gone for months and probably will be indefinitely for the year of 2016 till I can get back to do it. But this will go out on both shows. Thank you, Jay, for that. Oh, absolutely. I'm we're honored that you're going to put it out <laughs> through horror on the go as well. That's tremendous. And uh, so, yeah. so listeners there, I mean, if you want to check out some great horror broadcasting, it's horrorontheGo.com. It'll be linked in the show notes. So Wolfman Josh, anytime we do a show like this, there's always a disclaimer. And except for Bill Shetty, who typically he gets to see, um, a lot more horror than I do, at least. And, I, and Josh, I know you did better than I did, too, this year. I, I haven't even seen yeah. close to everything, and I'm very disappointed because I tell you what happens. When I hear Bill Shetty's show, his top ten list, then, like, in January, I'm like, that that's it. I'm watching, like, uh, like 500 horror movies this year, and I'm going to have everything, and I'm going to pick the very best, and I'm super motivated but um, it, it's it's really hard, Josh. I mean, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, we did three franchise reviews this year. We'll be talking about this more later when we discuss our year in review. But we discussed the entire Friday the 13th franchise, Nightmare on Elm Street franchise, and then through Screaming for good measure. So <laughs> we were watching a lot of movies, um, older films that weren't allowing a ton of time for a new coverage and when you do multiple podcasts like both of us do it's hard to fit in those movie screenings you know that's true and i know bill shetty's had a extremely busy year with his work and uh traveling i mean he's a man about town as they say and um but i i still guarantee bill shetty you've seen more horror than i have this year (laughs) i've seen quite a bit but by far the last 10 years this was the least i've seen i'm sure you're going to pop out some movies i never even heard of man i'm almost sure this year because i just did not have the time but the last few months i'd say six weeks or so i have 
scurried up and watched a lot of movies, man. And I came across some good ones. So it was a decent year. Sweet. Not the best, but a pretty good year. Well, it's good you mentioned that because honestly, I think the uh, the real utility of a, an, a show like this is that because we, we also take in the listener lists. We invited the listeners of the Horror Movie Podcast community to send in their top 10 lists. And I did some serious calculations. Um, I'll just reveal here. Um, I, I did seven hours worth of calculating to get you mathematically the exact sentiments of the collective listen, listenership. And I have a top 10 list from the listeners. And which what's really cool about that, and I thank everybody who sent in their list. That was tremendous. But what's cool about that is we get a great cross-section of at least the most notable horror of 2015. So I think that in this episode tonight, even though each of the hosts, even though we haven't seen every single thing to give you a, a comprehensive, exhaustive list, we will be throwing out names of horror movies so you'll be able to write these down i bet you'll at least get i don't know between 50 to 100 um somewhere along this show that you can look up right guys we'll hope so we will hope so <laughs> okay okay josh is like well we'll see we'll see about that jay <laughs> oh man there are some yeah i mean it was a weird year for the movies i saw i'm i'm interested to talk about some of the trends okay that's good. Well, is that something you would like to talk about now? Do you want to talk about trends or should we do it after the list? What do you prefer? Well, I know that you identified earlier in the year the paranormal trend. One that kind of snuck up on me this year was the throwback homage film. I mean, I think it started out for me with It Follows and and then I just kept seeing them over and over and over again. And as I look at my list of my honorable mentions and my biggest disappointments, it's jam packed full with these kind of grindhouse tongue in cheek, horror comedy throwback movies that um, I don't know why this was seemed to be the year of the eighties homage film and seventies. What do you think that's about Bill Shetty? Cause the, that's when the horror, that's when horror was awesome, man. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's as simple as that, man. People like it that are 40 and up. Um, yes. it was the most prevalent time for horror. In my opinion, I don't think it's undisputable actually. And I think that's why a lot of people do it. And that's not new this year. That's been going on for many years, actually. It has been going on and, and, and there was a lot of it following, you know, the death proof planet terror films for a while there, but then right, it kind of went away and I've been surprised how many there were this year. I mean, there were a lot this year and it's also interesting to me how few of them are able to take it seriously. Like it seems like a lot of the time when they do the homage they're they throw comedy in there um, to kind of make fun of the tone of the, of the, uh, era which is interesting to me because they're clearly love letters to these movies but they also kind of like to make fun of them a little bit mm -hmm. that's true and i don't like that i don't like that when they do that but josh i think you've missed a lot of indies over the years because it's not new at all really this year <laughs> it's been going on like the low budget ten thousand, a hundred thousands they've been doing that for as long as i've been on the air but it's even ramped that. up in the mainstream though when you say i mean there's been a lot of like even more mainstream not maybe not mainstream is the right word but they've been they seem more prevalent at least 
I don't think so, guys. I just think maybe you're seeing more the last few years that you've been podcasting. I, I mean, I also so. think they're the movies that are making my list, which is different. You know, like, uh, you know, Hobo with a Shotgun's not making my list in years past, or Black Dynamite. Those kinds of movies aren't making any kind of year on list. But right. the ones this year are some of the better movies, I think. It follows and and the final girls and you know, some of these movies will be discussing. I'm surprised how good they end up being, I guess. Mm-hmm. I hope the final girls isn't on your top 10 list, brother. <laughs> it's high up there. <laughs> <laughs> that's surprising. Yeah, that's more like a mock on the genre, kind of. I mean, it had some interesting parts, but it's no way above an average film, that's for sure. That's a, I mean, that's interesting that you say that, because I know you felt that way about uh, Cabin in the Woods as well, which... I wasn't as high on as a lot of people were, but I know you really disliked it. It's interesting. Yes. I mean, that's kind of what I wanted to talk about. Why Why do they have that mocking tone when they clearly love the movies? It's just an interesting addition to, the, to that, I think. I've never got it, man. You're the director. You got to let me know. <laughs> I, I don't get that personally. Like in the final girls, like the Jason sound that plays, like they're all hearing it when they're coming. Like that is so dumb. Like <laughs> I just think, things like that is silly. I think it's because they love the movies and they have these, this nostalgia, but they, you know, they're too cool <laughs> now to like yeah. admit that, you know, like it without being a little tongue in cheek, you know? I don't know. It's interesting. People do like throwing in quite a bit of comedy in their horror. I mean, there's no doubt that's went way back, but yeah, I don't get it because I take the slasher genre serious. I want serious films. I think it's much more interesting and fun and exciting. Like I don't mind the jokes in the film, but when they like mock the genre, that's what I don't like personally. Yeah. You, you feel like it's disrespectful toward horror at large, right? Yeah, because it's really not made for the serious horror fan. You know what I mean? It's more of a like in between type film, and it you know for us fans that want to see the gore and the scares and stuff, it just is not serious. You know what I mean? Like Saturday the Fourteenth and films like that. They're just goofy. (laughs) Which it's weird. I mean, it really surprised me putting my list together because there are very few scary movies on my list, and it's not because. I don't like scary movies. It's because there just weren't a lot of really great scary movies that were well made this year, in my opinion. Like I've, I've like I put kind of like what I thought were the best movies on my list, and not many of them were scary movies, which is weird. Well, I mean, well, HMP of- HMP fans, I got ten scary movies on my list. So. All right, <laughs> let's hear it. <laughs> okay, that's hilarious. Well, Josh, here's the thing. I I agree with what you're saying because these blends that Bill Shetty talks about the genre blends that that he has become much more permissive and open minded about much to my chagrin. But like I I feel like as I was going down through this list, I'm like wow, a lot of these yeah they have um, like even some that made my list tonight uh, they have definite horror in them and um you know, it goes there, but it's not, the majority of it is not horror. And it's just a, a weird blend of, of genres. And I just, I don't, I don't like this trend. I'm going to kick and scream for however long it lasts, Bill Shetty. Jay, I don't get it, man. You got to 
come to my side, man. It took me a long time. Maybe you got a few more years and you're going to switch over. But to be honest, Jay, I think all mine are straight up hard, but maybe one. Okay. This year. So I don't have a lot of blends. Wow. That's why I love the See, That's why I love your top 10 list. And I'm really excited about this. And, um, so just some things about my list, just to, as we get rolling here, cause we're going to get into this. Um, I have my own year of release rules and and I know people get tired of hearing about this, but I had a listener ask about it. So basically the way I do it is the year of release is determined by the first date that a film becomes widely available to a U.S. audience. Okay, so that's how I judge it. So I'm I'm sorry if people don't like that. And then um, I do have some mixed feelings about my my 10 here. Like on one hand, I'm happy to see because as I was tallying and taking all the listeners' picks, I was happy to see that a lot of these listeners in our community have the same, a very similar top 10 list to mine, which was exciting. But then I felt bad because I'm like, oh, that means I'm not doing my job as a film critic and championing like some lesser known films that I could introduce to people. So I do feel like I let them down a little bit in that respect. And I think it's just because I didn't see as many but Josh, how is your list built? Can you tell us about it? Um, I mean, I followed the year of release rule that you enacted. Although when we first started podcasting together, it drove me insane. But it's also just hard to carry on a conversation with you if I'm not following <laughs> the same rule. And you're not bending. So I had to bend. <laughs> uh. So that's, I mean, I looked at movies in the 2015 release that were, you know, U.S. releases in 2015. Um, Again, it was tricky. Like, there were a lot of movies that I'd have liked to consider for my list that are horror light or not non-horror even, in my opinion. And a couple of them I gave a pass to. Others I said, no, they can't make it on my list. Um, Movies that I enjoyed, that I thought were really well-made movies. But I would not include Bone Tomahawk on my list. I would not include Knock Knock on my list. I would not include The Gift on my list, even though these are all movies I enjoyed. I decided they're not horror enough to be on my list. Really, Josh? Knock Knock? Really? I think it's ultimately a thriller for me. I mean, I, I you know. Um, so anyway, I mean, that's the thing. And it's subjective. And I've got a bunch of comedies on my list, ultimately. So people can yell at me about that. So it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. Well, we are going to yell at you about let, that. Let me, go, <laughs> let me go back to Josh on that knock, knock. Now, it's not on my list. But I thought it was pretty <laughs> decent. Is, and why, great would movie. You compare, why would you compare that different than something like Funny Games? Well, here's something I wanted to talk with you guys about. I, I was talking to Kyle uh, Bishop about this off the air. Like, what makes what what is fear derived from you know because like you look at a movie there was a movie that came out this year knock knock's a good example but did you guys see the movie tiger house no it's a it's a home invasion movie much like knock knock i guess in that in that sense and i was trying to figure out it felt mostly like a thriller but there were murders in it there was a psychopath in it but the the home invasion was just motivated by a heist essentially and I was thinking, is that it? Like, the, does it have to be motivated by a crazy person in order for it to be a horror movie? Because there was gore, there were deaths, there was a home invasion. It was built like with scary music, scary tones, and I and it was I don't know. It was something I was thinking a lot about because Knock Knock, for an ex, for example, 
it rides that line most of the movie and it's and it's got some tense moments and some scary moments and, and drama that I think is real uh, to real life, but it doesn't, it pulls back. It never goes all the way into horror. It doesn't, it doesn't have the kinds of kills that you would expect in a horror movie. There's one spoiler um, specifically that I feel like, you know, involving a statue um, that I think if it had gone one way, I would have said, okay, this is a horror movie. And it went another way. And I thought, well, he, he pulled back from that. He didn't want to go full enchilada. And so I don't know. I mean, it's interesting. It's, it's something we'll debate. I think as horror fans forever, because everyone always wants to have their say what is, or what is a horror, but yeah, you have to That's draw the line you, somewhere. You guys got to get a little bit more lenient, man, because it's almost a straight up horror movie. Yes. It don't have the blood and guts like traditional eighties, but it's horror, man. The guy got invaded. Yeah, but you, know you take I mean? knock knock and compare that to the strangers, or even what was the one like the mumblecore one uh, last well, year? Well, that's why the strangers is way better than knock knock. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. <laughs> well, I think the strangers there. is a horror movie, and the knock knock to me is a tense thriller. I don't know. I mean, look, you have to draw the line somewhere. I I, I considered them, but ultimately they didn't make my list. Well, see, and this is why I think there's a problem. This is what's problematic to me, you guys. Is because I think, do you know how we always complain about, the, they try to, they know that horror fans are a, a very voracious uh, consuming community. And so they will, even if something is not a horror film, like Black Rock, for example, they'll, they'll put out a trailer that makes it seem like it. So horror fans will go ahead and watch it like I did with Black Rock. But, but the problem with this is I think that they actually got a little bit smarter and they thought, well, if we just put in a couple of, horror type aspects to the film then we could legitimately get away with it and then we won't have any kind of i don't think they're that sinister jay i really don't they might not be straight up slasher 80 fans all these people making these films but they're going after the horror audience with them and i don't think they're that sinister thinking back oh if i just add one kill i'll get a horror genre rating i don't i don't believe that man I, I do. I think that, um, I mean, it, they, they test. I mean, there's so much like audience testing. It's like a formula. It's not really art as much as it's like, you know, tabulating the results of various experiments. And, and but it's, it's no different than funny games, man. Knock Knock is no different than funny games. Well, there are it people really that will a- say funny games is not horror, too. And I bet Jay is one of them. Mm. No way. No, I mean, I'd call that. I, I think that's horror. I, I think it's a little bit ridiculous, but um, I, I do oh. think it's horror. Just a little bit. Home Invasion is horror, man, pretty much. I don't think I've seen one that wasn't horror that I wouldn't consider Panic horror. Room. No. <laughs> Panic Room, yeah. yeah okay, but you're going back, what, 15 years now, yeah. man? Yeah. So. <laughs> but in today's time, it might be. It might be. <laughs> I always use The Edge as an example. That bear movie with, um, whatchamacallit, Anthony Hopkins in it. Yep. Like, that, to Jay, that's got to be horror right now. It never was back then. But, you know, with the way I think nowadays, it is horror. It's a horror movie. I agree. Jay hasn't seen it yet. Well, I don't remember it. I, I, I really don't think I've seen that. I don't know. I thought I did, but I guess not. But it's on my list. It really is. It really is. You speaking gotta of, see it. It's a good movie. Speaking yeah. of lists, 
You know what I think it is, Jay, for me what? And, and, and Bill? I think, you know, Jay always likes to lay out and say, okay, this is a, a drama first, a horror movie second, a mystery third. <laughs> right. And and I think if there's two other genres that I say before horror, I'm not going to count it as a horror movie. You know what I mean? If like horror is like the third or fourth thing, then it maybe doesn't make my list. See, the, that's funny. I love it that we're identifying this. We're such nerds because, because yeah, if horror is third, usually I'll still count it. But if it's fourth and on and, on and beyond, then I don't. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I just made that up just now, but I think that is in the back of my head, kind of what I'm doing, you know? Yeah. People hate us right now, but I, I mean, it's just, this is important stuff. We, we got to draw the line somewhere, you know, you have to say at some point, you know, uh, you know, young Frankenstein isn't a horror movie. So yeah, at some point you have to say, okay, this is where I draw the line. Yeah. I think the main thing I always stuck by and I've got really lenient on this is expectations me as a true blue horror fan that's all i want it's the expectations so if i see some total drama movie and then it has a vampire killing it or something that's where i used to draw the line but you know i'm starting to enjoy the mixture i really am i'm liking i always liked action horror yeah. And some of these drama horrors, I'm really starting to enjoy. I mean, I had like three of them last year on my list, and I called them total horror. They weren't straight up horror, but they had a lot of horror in them. Yeah. And and I agree with a lot of the other critics that do that, like Fangoria and some of them that I was so against, some of the movies. I think from talking to so many fans on the radio and everything, they consider them horror. And my idea what horror is, is definitely different from 20-year-olds right now. Well, Bill Shetty, did you like, uh, for example, Only Lovers Left Alive? Did you like that? I have not seen that. I have not seen it. Just curious. All right. Well, not really kills in that movie, though. (laughs) I only I'm only familiar with that film to the extent that I listened very well to your review in our Art House Vampires episode. Okay, good. Because after hearing you review it, I'm like, nope. I don't want to see that. <laughs> but anyways. All right, well let's let's do it. Let's without further delay, let's move into this list. I'm super excited about this and Bill Shetty, the honorable host of uh <laughs> Horror on the Go. Hey, do us the honors of uh breaking in with your number 10. All right, this might be a shock to a lot of people. I think I only got two. This is a typical Bill Shetty list of 2015, but this one's probably going to shock a lot of people. I'm starting with an Adam Green movie who I'm not a fan of. <laughs> it's a fake documentary that I actually loved. It's Digging Up the Marrow nice. with Ray Weiss and Adam Green. I totally was blown wow. out of the water with this. Nice. Because I do not like his films. Hatchet was over the top. I didn't like it. Jay's Frozen was ridiculous to me. I wasn't into that <laughs> movie. But this, I got freaked out in the end because there's such a buildup in this movie. And I actually liked that Adam Green was in it. I think he did a great job. And Ray Wise, I love the guy. Every horror movie he's in, he just goes I don't want to say overboard, but he's got a certain demeanor in all his movies. And I really believe him in everything he did. And the end of this movie was totally cool. Couple jump scenes. It's not the fastest moving movie, but I really enjoyed the the mix of documentary 
kind of handheld, but not really. I'm not calling this a found footage, Jay, to let you know. Okay. So, but this takes number 10. I had to be in my list and it's a seven rated film to me. Oh, wow. Okay. I've been dying to see that. I have not seen it yet. Have you seen it, Wolfman? Yeah, and that was a... I'm totally with you on that, Bill Shetty. That was a recommendation of a few of our listeners when we were trying to put together our uh, found footage episode, actually. Um, A couple of people really highly recommended that. It was one I didn't have a chance to get to for that discussion. But I saw it um, afterward, and yeah, I also really enjoyed it as well. And I I don't mind Adam Green, although I'm not a Hatchet fan, um, but I have liked his other things other than Hatchet. And, um, mm-hmm. this was my, this is probably my favorite of his so far. Me too, by far. And it was just a smart film. It was just something that's never really been done before. And I don't call this a handheld found footage film, man. I really don't even though it was shot that way. I call it, I, I really don't have like a specific genre for this, man. Like it's just unique. I think it's a completely unique film that all horror fans need to see. <laughs> Wow. Well, I can't wait to see that. And especially since it's Adam Green, because I like Adam Green. But good job, Bill Shetty. Thank you. Uh, Wolfman Josh, what's your number 10? So my number 10 is a movie that is probably fantasy first, (laughs) uh, comedy second, and horror third. Uh, This is called Turbo Kid. This is a total blast, you guys. Um, this is a, it's a, a, one of these eighties throwbacks. It's so ridiculous in the way that it's trying to harness the eighties. It's supposed to be one of those grindhouse films. It's supposed to be an old VHS movie with, you know, where the cover is better than the actual movie. Um, it's supposed to be kind of a cheap Mad Max kind of ripoff, but it's super gory and super fun. And it's in a post-apocalyptic world. Michael Ironside is the villain, which is great. Um, There's a young kid who's the lead. His name is, uh, let me see what his name is, Murno Chambers. Um, He was awesome in it. This movie premiered at Sundance and then uh, is now available on Blu-ray if you you can get the the overseas import. And and you can find it online as well. It's absolutely worth watching. Uh, Turbo Kid. If you if you like kind of an action adventure, Mad Max ridiculousness, this has one of the coolest uh, masked killers ever. In you know, again, in the in kind of a Mad Max setting, um, and it's worth watching. Uh, if you uh, if you like things like the Power Glove and BMX bikes and comic books and things from the eighties, laced in there with a lot of gore. Well. I'm really surprised that this um, got any exposure with that kind of title. I mean, I'm just saying I haven't seen it, but the title seems like it would really hurt it. It's supposed to be dumb. And the, and like, if you look at the poster, it's, it's looks like, you know, um, it's like shimmery and, and chrome and with rainbows. Yeah, um, right. You know, I mean, it's, it's trying to be, it's trying to be look like a film that was made in the eighties about a post-apocalyptic future, but from that time period, I got you. Bill Which is what, again, there's a lot of that kind of stuff going around this year. <laughs> right. Um, and this was the one that came in lowest on my list, I guess. Did you see it? Bill Shetty. 
No, I'd have to question that, that that's even horror, but I'd have to watch it before I said so. It sounds like kick-ass what you was describing pretty much. Man. It's a little but, kick-assy. Yeah, there's some kick-ass in there for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's, I have it's more it, Mad Max. It's more like Bad Mad Max ripoff, though. It's like if Asylum made a Mad Max movie in the 80s. <laughs> I get well, it. You're calling it horror. I got to watch it, Josh. All right, give it a whirl. <laughs> that's right. I will. Wow, this open-minded Bill Shetty is just really refreshing now. I like this. Okay. Yeah, the title don't sound exciting, does it? <laughs> no, it doesn't sell it very well, but anyways. I mean, it's a kid riding around on a on a BMX bike and his comic his video game things are kind of like his giving him his powers. So y- you understand that a name like Turbo Kid is very fitting for the film even if it's not the most marketable title. Okay. I got you. Well, you guys are going to say that I cheated a little bit, but this is the only one I've done this on, okay? And so my number 10, I have a tie. <laughs> Sorry. I I hate when people do that, but I had to. I could not kick one of these two down to 11 in honorable mentions. I just couldn't do it. And so the first one of the tie is Landmine Goes Click. Have you guys seen this? No. It's on my list, Jack. Oh, okay, great. I'm glad to hear that. Um, yeah, this is so the, the simple premise is you got <laughs> you got these American tourists and they're uh hiking in Georgia, the country Georgia, just south of Russia, and basically one of them steps on a landmine and activates it. And uh so he cannot move off of it. And so this becomes now Bill Shetty, I'm glad you've You've seen this, so like, uh, and I'm gonna let you talk about it when it's your pick. So I don't want to take your thunder from what you were gonna say. No, go but, ahead, man. We can wrap them both up in one shoe, man, because it's pretty high on my list. Oh, is it? Okay, great. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's good stuff. Like, it, it sounds like from that premise, it sounds like wow, that's very uh, <laughs> contrived. But the way that this is written, the way that it happens. Um, the contrivance totally works for me. And so um, it's, it's, it's pretty amazing. So he's out in the wilderness and he's stuck on this landmine. Well, um, the, the gal that's with him wants to help. But, um, you know, a, a predator of sorts, a, 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 a mm-hmm. bad person, let's call him, <laughs> comes along and starts exploiting this situation. And it gets pretty brutal, pretty strong. And... Um, and, and it's it's really intense film. So I mean, th- this is I don't want to say a whole lot more about it because where it where it ends up going is is quite a surprise. Mm-hmm. That's what I was worried about most, Bill Shetty, because I'm like, I mean, because I love films. Everybody knows I love films like Buried because this is one of those films where a character is stuck in a situation, a dangerous situation. That the longer he's stuck in that situation, the deadlier it becomes. So. Um, to an extent, on one hand, it's a survival horror. On the other hand, it, it's something else, but I won't describe what it is. So, yeah, this yeah, is. But that's a terrible analogy of Buried, man, because there's no other characters in Buried. So it's so much more boring to me than this was. This had, you know, action and talking and things going on constantly. <laughs> yeah. And the guy that that's supposedly going to help them was amazing i thought his acting was incredible yes. i thought he was totally believable yes and where this went jay after 
all the shindig happens and right <laughs> I, we gotta tap dance around this because we can't spoil spoil it but um definitely kind of blows you away and it does get really hardcore which is was actually unexpected for me while watching it because yeah. i didn't expect it to go where it went yeah when this when this film is over like when i finished watching it um i felt that that little that disquiet inside it's it's very mm-hmm. disturbing it's mm-hmm. it hangs with you but i tell you um the the way that it ends is i loved it i loved it like the this the, the second half of it um was a little bit of a stretch for me but the way they finally ended it i'm like oh that's brilliant so anyway um it's number 10 and it is tied with m night Shyamalan's the visit which um i reviewed on our show with a wolfman josh and his wife rachel and yep. this is a, a a single mother finds that things in her family's life go very wrong after her two young children visit their grandparents. It's the IMDB description. That's <laughs> disappointing, Jay, that you lump these two together, man. Handheld yeah. with that. <laughs> well, no. Well, the, the visit, though, the visit isn't, even though there is some handheld stuff to it, I mean, it. a lot of it is still, it doesn't feel like a shaky cam movie. I mean, did you think so, Bill Shetty? Yeah, a total found footage movie. They're recording their visit with their grandparents, right? I, I know, but as camera footage. That's true, but as Josh pointed out, since she is a documentary filmmaker in the premise to this, um, you know, it's not like jostled around a ton. I mean it's that's they're, silly. They're though. pretty steady shots. <laughs> Josh. I don't buy that. You have a comment on that? Well, it's a lot higher on my list is my first comment. Um I yeah, I mean I <laughs> I don't mind found footage and I don't mind handheld, but I, but I do appreciate the faux documentary more. And that's what this is. And it's a fake documentary. Kind of like what Bill Shetty would say with digging up the marrow. I think this is uh, a step above, um, you know, some of the cheaper found footage movies we've seen, but I, I like, uh, I like that style anyway. I'm interested in it as a subgenre. So yeah, but guys, just because that's better than other found footage, don't, give you the right to rate it that high because it was not much difference in that. <laughs> well, but it was, a, but I liked the writing. I liked the characters. I thought there were some fun scares and, uh, I liked the setting a lot too. So it's not just that it was a, a better than average fan footage movie. I actually liked, and also I'm look, I'm rooting for M night Shyamalan to come make a comeback and this is the best thing he's done in a long time too. So. Well, and, and but the, didn't the whole premise bother you guys? Like, what mother would let their kids go meet their grandparents? They never would without going with them. I, I love the premise. I love it. Well, really, the, the reason it works for me, Bill Shetty, is because um, I think M Night Shyamalan is tapping into our fear, our leeriness of like um, of aging, and and because old people, old people creep us out. At least some people are creeped out by old people. And I think the reason for that is we all have a fear of death. And when we see um, older family members, especially, it's like, okay, that's where I'm heading. And you realize that your time is limited. It is short. And, um, you know, I, and I love how they, how M. Night Shyamalan riffs on these old people being creepy. And there are some genuinely creepy um, s- scenes in this movie. So. I like all the family stuff too, because to me that thematic th- family thing, those th- thematic family things are terrifying. The idea that number one, you're stuck with these people because they're your blood relatives, like that's scary. 
Uh, I like the idea of letting go of family and what that means for their mom and her unwillingness to kind of say she was sorry or face up to her past has put her, her kids in this really dangerous situation. Mm-hmm. Um, I like, I love all the things that are happening with the grandparents and their, their backstories. I just, I think all that sounds great. I, I just think it's well-written. And there's an aspect of the film where we, we learn about the odd and um, unsettling behavior of the grandparents. And there's a little bit of like scientific or medical related speculation that I think really works well. And, um, and, and I like that that's grounded in a reality of real, like, even though, as we mentioned on the show, it could be offensive, I do like that it's grounded in a real mental illness idea. Yeah. And and because we're not, we're not in a spoiler section, I can't say it, but in our full review of it, we talked about um, a, a source material that this was drawn from. And I think that's really what rates it high for me is uh, I love what this is adapted from when you think about what this story ultimately is. But anyways, so that was, those were my number tens, definite tie. And then guess what guys, we have the listener top 10 list. Now, before I give their number 10, let me just say, like I said, I I calculated this out. I spent about seven hours taking everybody's list. And here's what I did. Um, Like if they rated a film number one, then that got 12 points. And then number two got 10 points. Okay. And number three got nine points, four, eight, et cetera. And it goes down. And so I did all of these, you know, according to their point value. And I was able to determine collectively what the listenership thinks is their top 10 list. And it's pretty exciting. So let's go to their number 10. And their number 10 is Tales of Halloween. And the premise on that is uh, 10 stories are woven together by their shared theme of Halloween night in an American suburb where ghouls, imps, aliens, and axe murderers appear for one night only to terrorize unsuspecting residents. Do you guys see this one? Yeah, you got some good fans. That's on my list. All right. I really tried to see it, but that's when I couldn't make it to you guys. Sorry. All right. Excellent. So, yeah, that's, that's a good pick. They ended up getting 28 points on that one by the way. Okay, Bill Shetty, what's your number nine? All right, classic guys. You guys probably aren't going to think it's too good if you've seen it, but it's Kane Hodder and Bill Mosley, old 37. I had this on a prediction list years ago and it got delayed. Mm-hmm. Now, this is only a seven rated film because I was disappointed they didn't go far enough. Like the opening scene was amazing in this, get you right into it. But then they went away with the paramedics coming out at accidents and they went a story route, which I like the story, but it's a throwback slasher and I completely enjoyed it. I just wish they would have went the extra mile and kept that same premise throughout the movie and didn't go so far deep into these characters. A little too much story for me, Jay, for a slasher. Oh wow! I wanted to see the kills, but it's number nine for me, a seven rated film. I'm so glad to hear you say that because this had so much hype behind it. People were looking forward to it forever. I was looking forward to it. And then I heard a lot of people just dogging on it, saying it was terrible. And so I'm glad it made your list. Now I'm ex- no, excited again. No, it's not again. terrible. That's not terrible by far. There could have been a lot more kills for a slasher in it, like I said. But I enjoyed the story. The sound wasn't the greatest. It could have been better. But they could have went more hardcore like back in the 80s. They didn't. Because it's more story-ended, but it's a definite watch and keeper. I I bought it. 
you should too. Well, I got a question for Josh here. Um, and, and I'm, I know he knows this and I'm not picking on your pick, Bill Shetty, but I see the director decided to go with the Alan Smithy name for the credits. And Josh, will you explain to the audience in case they're unaware, um, what does that mean when a director goes by Alan Smithy? It basically means that they wanted to remove their own name from the film. And so that could be for any number of reasons, though. It doesn't necessarily mean the movie's bad. It could be that the studio screwed them and they're upset about the way things went down. And that that happens, I think, just as much as the movie being bad. But oftentimes it um, reflects a director's displeasure with the final product. I see. Okay. So, yeah. So we, we can only speculate then. But no, Bill Shetty, since that's on your list, then it's back on mine to watch. So I'm going to check it out after all. I It was one of the ones that I wanted to get to. I had hoped to get to, but I just didn't make it around to it. Okay, Wolfman Josh, what is your number nine, sir? Uh, my number nine is another one of these weird homage <laughs> films. Um, this one took me 48 minutes. I decided I paused it and looked at the time. Uh, before I decided that I liked it. And I was really unsure for the first probably 30 minutes if I should just turn it off or not. Um, but it started winning me over about half an hour into it. By minute 48, I decided, all right, I like this. But it is very, very comedic in nature. Um, but it's also really scary at times. It's got some creepy moments, and it's really gory. And people know now probably that I dislike, typically dislike, quote unquote trippy movies that just bugs me as a filmmaking style. This one is super trippy and I like it. Um, it is called the editor and it is a send up on Giallo films, but it is actually a Giallo film. Um, it is super disturbing. (laughs) And at first you're thinking, Oh, was this shot in another language and then dubbed? No, this was shot in English and then dubbed. (laughs) Um, it's really, really weird. Um, it's got a little small part from Udo Kier in it. Uh, Paz de la Huerta has a small part in it. Um, but the star is, um, this guy, uh, Connor Sweeney. Yes. Thank you. Connor Sweeney. I was Mm -hmm. blanking on his name there. So, uh, he plays an editor who is suspected of murder or people around him keep turning up brutally slashed um, as he's working on this film. And um, it has a lot in common with Barbarian Sound Studio uh, last year, but this is kind of like Barbarian was all psychological. This would be if they took half of that psychological stuff, threw it out the window and replaced it with some hardcore slash kills. Um, It's pretty mind numbing and mind melding, but it's good. It, It just, if you don't like the tongue in cheek performances of these, cause the actors are going hard over the top for a lot of this and it can be pretty distracting. Like it, it bugged me quite a bit for the first half hour. I'll be honest, but if you can get past that, the filmmaking is so good. The, the cinematography, the sets, you know, I would say the writing for me is just kind of the sticking point. Um, and if you like giallos, this is a really, I don't know, faithful is the right word because it's a crazy over the top. But it's it, it captures the spirit of giallos perfectly. 
It's just and it's just wall to wall gore and nudity as well. Um, <laughs> and for listeners who didn't make the connection, Paz de la Huerta. I don't know if you said this, but she's the lead in Nurse 3D. That's correct. Right. That's correct. Okay. Right. Did Best you... known for um, Boardwalk Empire, probably. Mm, correct. Yes. Did you see the editor, Bill Shetty? I had not. I hadn't even heard of it. But since he made a reference to Barbarian Sound Studio, I think I skip it altogether. <laughs> <laughs> and that, yeah. Uh, and if you if you couldn't take Barbarian Sound Studio, you might well consider skipping this. But this is a lot more um, delivers a lot more on the kills and stuff than that film would. It's a lot oh, more hardcore in terms of being a horror film, but it is. But it's a lot more tongue in cheek than Barbarian is too. Okay. Ooh. Great, really over the top, goofy perf- comedic performances for a lot of it. Gotcha. Okay. Well, my number nine is one of these films that's uh, kind of like I was talking about. It's it's definitely a blend. It is a drama slash mystery slash horror is what I would call it, and it is Good Night, Mommy. Mm. Now, our buddy uh, Jeff Hammer hated this film and he texted me to avoid it he said it was total waste of time but i had heard enough about it and i was curious enough about it especially when i had heard the premise which i loved i've revised it here the way it was written after an accident twin boys become concerned that their heavily bandaged mother isn't their mother after all that's the premise what really got me into this movie it's an austrian film and it is in german so it's subtitled but yeah, I mean, this is a, a slow burn film, but it's so mysterious and peculiar. And there is this, there's kind of an uneasy feeling to it the whole Terrifying, time. Dude. Yeah. And then so it, quiet. Like, the, you know, you know, those moments when they do jump scares in movies where they make everything really quiet. So you lean forward and then they blast you. Mm-hmm. This entire movie is that the entire movie is almost silent. And so any sound you hear footsteps, someone jangling a doorknob. They terrify. They make you so scared. Yes, and I know that that probably sounds boring to people. It's like, okay, there's not much dialogue. It's subtitled and it's pretty silent. That probably sounds uneventful. But right, back me up on this, Wolfman. You are. You're drawn in, and you're very curious to what's going to happen next. It's you're instantly drawn in. The filmmaking is so strong in terms of creating suspense. And the actors are all top notch. The and and this is hard with kid actors. Like oh, usually, yeah. kid actors, I have a really difficult time with. The two boys in this movie are so good, but the mom also is just otherworldly. Fantastic, and you know the best way I can try to sell this to the listeners who haven't seen it, and like to Bill Shetty here, I'm going to try to get him to watch it. Is do you know how? Sometimes when people are in an accident physically and like something happens, like maybe their legs will get cut off and they don't realize it because their body's in shock. And then they try to stand up and they fall on their face because their legs are cut off. Well, I had that experience emotionally with this movie because it is unsettling. It's disturbing. And when it was over, I was like, okay, pretty decent, you know. And then I, as I started to stand up, I just felt this, this overwhelming dread in this just... It, this awfulness <laughs> that came from this film. So, Good Night Mommy is a 7.5 out of 10 for me. It's a strong rental. It's my number nine. Okay. Number nine for the listeners is Crimson Peak. And they give it 31 points. And then, the aftermath of a family tragedy, an aspiring author is torn between love for her childhood friend 
and the temptation of a mysterious outsider. Okay, so uh, Crimson Peak. <laughs> Good pick. Haven't seen it. Okay, well, you know, take supplemental horror materials so you can have some additional stuff because there's very little in this movie. <laughs> like, no. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just kidding. I appreciate the film and uh, it's beautiful, but yeah. People who missed it can hear our full review on episode 76. Yes, yes, where we fight about such things. That's right. Okay, now nah, that's a good pick. It's a good pick. I'm just kidding. Okay, Bill Shetty, what, what is your number eight? Okay, number eight, and we start with 7.5 ratings now. This is the best supernatural film of the year, in my opinion, and it's called The Diabolical with Ali Larder from the Resident Evil franchise, and I think she was in Final Destinations, a couple of them, too. Just a family at night gets a supernatural presence at a certain time every night, and they call in like paranormal experts, but it has some freaky, scary scenes in this. I jumped at least three times. This is better than The Conjuring. <laughs> All those type of films that were popular this year and last year, too. I think this is a supernatural film done right. So if ghost-style films are not your thing, which they're not mine, I think you'll enjoy it anyway. Did you guys see this one? No, but I got a question about it. Now, when you sure. you when you talk about these effective jump scares, are these... What I would call, and I know you argue with this term, but cheap jump scares or are they legitimately scary where it's like organic to what's going on in the movie where it's actually scary? Both. Both, Jay. There is some cheap ones, which I like. If things come out of the blue and they scare the shit out of me, I like it. No matter if it's due to sound, imagery, what have you, <laughs> I completely enjoy that because you get a rise. So it doesn't matter. But no, there are ones that build up also in this. And there's a lot of like levitation and stuff going on here. And the effects were done brilliantly. So for a supernatural film, I completely enjoyed this. And that's not my favorite. So diabolical, you got to see it. I, and the acting's great all around, things like that. So it's a top tier film, no doubt. Okay, excellent. That's the diabolical. Nice. Thank you. All right, well, I'll go to my number eight. I'm going to switch places with Josh in the order here. Um, this is going to shock people, and I might get a little bit of grief over this because my rating was relatively low, but here's why. This movie is like 95% just straight drama, but the 5% horror is hardcore, and that's why it, it earns a place on my list. I love the premise, and it's called Backcountry. And it's about an urban couple. They go camping in the woods and they find themselves lost in the territory of a predatory black bear. So obviously this is a bear attack movie. And I won't go into much about describing it, describing it except to say, if you were witness to a bear attack and it actually happened to you, oh my goodness, like I think this movie depicts it really well. It, what I imagine is like, I mean, it's one of my worst nightmares, honestly. I, I can't even conceive what that might be like to be eaten alive by a bear, be attacked by a bear. And I think what makes this film so effective is that these characters are so relatable. I mean, they just seem like everyday real people just like you or me. And so it's like watching these new friends that you've made get attacked by a bear. And 
you know, I mean, it, there's not a lot to it. It's a pretty simple film. And it's a lot of waiting, but it's very disturbing to me. And that's backcountry. You guys have any thoughts on it? You, I know you've seen it, right, Josh? Yeah, we reviewed this back on episode 61, which, Bill, I don't know if you know this, but uh, we kind of dedicated that episode to you a little bit. It was our Grizzly Zone episode where we talked yeah. about grizzly bears. Um, yeah, sweet. But, Jay, you gave this a 5.5. That's what oh, I said. Okay. I know I I rated it low, but the reason it was low because this we're broadcasting here for a horror movie podcast, and it's not it's not much of a horror movie as far as like you know what I mean. Like I said, it's ninety five percent drama, but that five percent horror is just incredibly. I mean, it it just it's tragic to me. It just destroyed me basically. But wait, five point five is your eighth pick movie jay yeah i put it up there because i tell you why my numbers like in my top 10 lists you know at the end of the year i i kind of go by the way i feel about them and the way i've remembered them like reflecting back it's like you know i rated that low but it still resonates with me it's still kind of haunting me i still think about that monster or that scene a lot and so then that's how i give priority that mine aren't necessarily mine aren't always number order is what i should say i hope not that landmine goes click wasn't a five rated film to you man <laughs> no that was that, that was a seven to me seven out of ten that's a rental but yeah that's that's bizarre but yeah i know, I know. people love my <laughs> ratings on this show so jason dragon about backcountry he wrote Backcountry is a 7 out of 10, a great bear attack film. He said there have been uh, lots of Lost in the Woods subgenres uh, as of late, but this one tops them all. I wish this one had a lot more love out there. Eric Balfour has a fun cameo, and maybe it will find a bigger audience eventually. So, yeah, I agree. I mean, it's just, it's hard for me to, I guess, really understand who will love this film and appreciate it because it's like, it seems like somebody like Bill Shetty, for example. <laughs> I think that he might find it a little bit uh, tedious and maybe with not as much horror as he would like. And then I think somebody like my wife, who's more sensitive, couldn't handle the bear attack scene. So it's really hard to find out who would be the audience for this. Okay, Wolfman Josh, I'm just dying to know, what is your number eight? So I have to preface this with some listener interaction because this movie was recommended to me by Dino. And as I mentioned a minute ago, he told me, do not read anything about this. Just put it in your queue and make it the next movie you watch. And I took Dino's advice and I watched Goodnight Mommy, which was my number eight. And I think this is funny because Dino <laughs> on Twitter he was wishing us good luck with our recording tonight. And he guessed that uh, Goodnight Mommy would land in my top three. He said, I, I'm calling it right now. It's going to be in your top three. And I said, that's interesting. We should take some we should take some bets on this. Let's let's get some numbers going on this and let's get some pools going. And we'll, let's hear what you guys think are going to be on our lists. And so we had Dino and Juan chiming in on what they thought would be the top pick for the three of us, as well as Dave Becker. So do you want to hear what those guys suggested? Yes. Yeah, let's hear it. OK, so. So Dino thought this was going to be in my top three, along with It Follows and Crimson Peak. Uh, Juan 
said, no, you know, Josh's top three are going to be in this exact order. Number one, Crimson Peak. Number two, it follows number three, Final Girls. Um, He said, Jay's is going to be Bone Tomahawk. Dave's is going to be We Are Still Here. And then they were trying to guess what Bill Shetty's was going to be. And uh, Dino guessed it was going to be Maggie with just M-I-G-I, not the... (laughs) Oh, Magi? the uh, Magi, Mm -hmm. yeah. He said, I'm sure Bill got his hands on this somehow, Magi. And um, and then Juan guessed it was going to be the Green Inferno was going to be Bill's number one movie. Well, and then Dino said, no. Year, <laughs> Dino said, no, it's going to be unfriended since Bill Shetty is so progressive these days. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then Dino said, no, okay. Um, actually, I'm hoping Girl House makes Bill's list. So oh, yeah, I'm pretty sure lot it of, will. Uh, we've got a lot of suggestions. Um, Juan also would like to hear harbinger down and hidden on bill's list so we'll see how our lists stack up to what our listeners are guessing on twitter but so far they're they're off uh good night mommy did not make it in my top three but i did think it was an interesting movie for all the reasons jay mentioned and i thought it was supremely creepy i thought it was a really great flick ultimately there wasn't quite enough to it for me for to rank higher my horror list and also i found the ending very disappointing to be honest i really didn't like how the movie concluded now do you mean the very ending or what happens i didn't love the last let's say quarter of the film um oh but i I especially didn't like the very the very end yeah i don't like the very end either but i don't love that but but i I still think it's an interesting movie i think it's a rental that people should check out i give it a 7.5 as well and it's a rental okay great good pick so the listener pick for number eight is what we do in the shadows. You got 33 points. Viago, Deacon, and Vladislav are vampires who are finding that modern life has them struggling with the mundane, like paying rent, keeping up with the chores, etc. So that's the premise to that. Now, I I believe you've seen that, right, Josh? I loved it. Yeah, it's a great movie. Um, it is a mockumentary in the Christopher Guest style. If you like movies like Waiting for Guffman, or Best in Show, or A Mighty Wind, or, you know, more people these days are familiar with shows like The Office or Parks and Recreation. If you like that style of comedy and mockumentary, um, imagine that applied to a vampire film very lovingly where they really get the genre and they really get um, the characters, and it's done really well uh, for what it is. And it's a movie I, I enjoyed quite a bit. Wow. Did you see it, Bill Shetty? I have not, guys. Man, I got so many to watch by all these recommendations and going on here. I mean, it's a comedy. Yes. You you have to enjoy. Um, it's the guys who do Flight of the Concord. So if you like them, you'd really like this. That like that. That's probably the primary audience. But then secondary audience would be Christopher Guest fans or fans of The Office or something like that. Yeah, that, I mean, I love The Office, but that doesn't sound like it's up my alley for a horror movie, at least. Well, think of it as a comedy, and you'll be pleasantly surprised. If you liked that episode of The Office where Jim turns into a vampire, imagine that <laughs> escalated <laughs> by 300% or, you know, and you'll really enjoy this movie. Well, as Bill Shetty once said... If I sit down and I want to watch a horror movie, I want to be scared. I don't want to be laughing the true. whole time. Right, Bill Shetty? That's, that's <laughs> so, true. Yeah, so that one's a comedy might, then, yeah. you big morons. <laughs> well, this is, like not, this is not comedy movie podcast, Josh. I'm telling you, Jay, if you want to watch a comedy, you're going to like this. Okay. 
All right, get well, a little vampire and horror in your comedy. Well, why why did the listeners pick it for number eight then? Because it's difficult, Jay. It's a hard year. It's hard. It's hard. <laughs> it's hard to decipher. Okay, I got you. They're gonna be super mad at me. But now, as I'm seeing their list, I mean, I do have a lot in common with their list, but some of it I don't have in common with all. So now, now I'm seeing why um they get on my case so bad sometimes in the comments because uh yeah they i guess my tastes are different from theirs like a little bit all right bill shetty what is your number seven number seven another slasher type cool movie i hope you guys have seen it it's pretty obscure it's called christy oh that's a thanksgiving movie right Yes, it was. Came out right. Ashley Green from The Human Centipede, the middle piece. <laughs> she plays in this like a real goth, hardcore chick that wears masks. There's masks in this movie. And basically this one college girl, it's funny, going away for vacation, dorm room and stuff. She's all by herself in this one college except for some security guards. But there's this like cult-like status people that wear masks and call everybody Christy. Well, there's a surprise with that that I'm not going into, but it's real freaky. They go up to the people, and I'm going to kill you, Christy. And that isn't their name. So there's a backstory with this, but this is just a running for your life type killer movie with masks. I totally enjoyed it. 7.5, my type of film, good music. Ashley Green was amazing. Her best role ever in this. She's that really freaky. Awesome, man. It does. It is, dude. And it really is, man. It's really entertaining. There's no downtime really in this. It's just her trying to escape, and then more people come out with mass. It's so weird with why they're calling people Christy, all the people they kill. <laughs> I highly recommend it. And, and, and if I'm not mistaken, I believe that's currently streaming on Netflix in the U.S. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that was a th- it, Thanksgiving it might theme. Be, but it's freak the sound jam it to on this, man. Because when they're calling out Christy, man, it, it's just freaky why they're calling these people Christy, man. It's just really bizarre. <laughs> so get it man, and pay attention. Seen. Yeah, pay attention to some opening scenes, fans out there. Some shit flashes by. But this is a definitely watch twice film just to understand like the concept. Yeah. But you'll want to. It's that good. And and by the way, so Ashley C. Williams is the girl from the human centipede. Ashley Green is the the beautiful girl from Twilight. Um, She's um, gorgeous. Right. Right. Ash from Twilight, not human centipede. My fault, Jay. Thank you for the correction. No, that's fine. (laughs) That's that's fine. But yeah, I'm dying to see get another Thanksgiving movie on my list, too. So that's great. Yeah, we need more Thanksgiving horror movies. Definitely. So. Yeah, but it's really not a Thanksgiving movie. I mean, there ain't like turkeys coming out anywhere. Or <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank goodness. <laughs> well, that, makes, that makes it better. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, good. Thank you. That's good. I'm excited about that one, too. All right. Uh, this is weird, but my number seven is another bear movie. I have two bear movies on my list, which is weird. But it's um, this is my version of this year's the killer mermaid because that killer mermaid movie made my list last year well this is my guilty pleasure for this year and it's into the grizzly maze oh boy what Uh, you didn't like this one oh not at all jay that shocks me Mm. okay well there is um this may have probably the most 
intense and effective and realistic bear mauling scene I've ever witnessed in a movie. Is that is that accurate, Josh? Yeah, I would say so, yeah. I mean, it's I mean, if you ever for some reason wanted to see what it would look like to see a bear maul somebody and eat their head and face like that, <laughs> then that's what this movie delivers. It's got some great it's built like a slasher. That's the thing I would say about it. Yes, it is. Yeah, and the bear is the killer. Now, how can you not like that, Bill Shetty? What's your what's the problem? It's just a letdown from the edge. I'm telling you, you gotta see that. I mean, I equate a bear movie to the edge. And yep. the same bear was in this movie that was in that movie. I'm almost sure of it because it, there's a real bear in this, right? It was Josh? his son. It was actually Bart two. This was, that oh, was okay. Bart, the All bear right. and this is Bart two. But yeah, I'm told, I told Jay this on the episode. We reviewed it. The edge is the high watermark for bear movies. Yes. By, um, by, yeah. But this is a good, this is a decent one. I would say this is up there because it's the closest to a horror movie of any of the bear movies we looked at. I would say this is like, and I said this at the time, Bill, but I think this is kind of like a modern remake of the 1976 movie Grizzly. Yeah, it could be. I was just bored in this. I don't know. Just too much talking. I don't know. Wow. I didn't get into it for some reason. It oh. just wasn't exciting to me. Did you watch it so, when you were sleepy? I might have been, Jay. I wasn't like totally looking into this movie, like ready you to keep watch in mind, it. We watched like 10 bear movies this week. So <laughs> yeah, that particular week we <laughs> compared did. to the other bear movies. This was, this was pretty good, but, but did it, you watch one just called bear. It oh, was like a supernatural yeah. bear. What did you think of that one? Discuss that one. Yeah. I love that one actually. Yeah, I, that one. I didn't mind. That was the one where they were in the car, right? Right. Got right. Trapped in the car. Yeah. That one. I didn't mind. It was more exciting than this one. Yeah. And I believe that's from 2010 and the dramatic developments between the characters, it, it mm -hmm. becomes even more disturbing and alarming right. than the bear itself, which I loved. But, um, Correct. so in this into the grizzly maze though, it is like a guilty pleasure type of movie for me though. <clears throat> Cause yeah, I mean, it's not, it's funny because you, you look at it and you watch it and you're like, wow, this has a lot of stars in it, actually. I mean, it's got James Marsden, it's got Thomas Jane, Scott Glenn, Billy Bob Thornton. Mm -hmm. I, mean, I mean, it's got a good cast and... Um, well shot, it's beautifully shot with a great location. It looks amazing in the premise. It's just really poorly written and or directed. <laughs> yeah, that, that may be true to some extent, and that's why it's kind of a guilty pleasure. But it's still a seven to me. It's a strong rental. And the premise, in case you're wondering, is you got two estranged brothers who reunite at their childhood home in the Alaskan wilderness. And they set out on this two-day hike and are stalked by an unrelenting grizzly bear. Rawr. Okay. So, so there you go. Josh, what is your number seven? Jay, this is a movie that at the time I referred to as the best Iranian vampire Western of all time. <laughs> Jesus. I <can't. sighs> and I, I'll stand by that statement. Uh, this was one of our house vampire discussion points. A girl walks home alone at night. Um, at the time I called it an eight and a strong rental. I ended up buying it. And it's a movie that I've liked more and more. As I've watched it, I still wish there were more kills. I think the character could have been a lot scarier if handled a little bit differently. Yes. But um, I, I, it's a really rich film, and I love vampire movies, and this is a good one. It sure is. I I, I mean, I, I do think it's good. I I can't 
I'm not going to smack talk you, Josh. Uh, I like it that you picked that, and I knew it was going to be in your list. I just had a feeling. Okay, the listeners, for their number seven, uh, they chose Krampus, which had 36 votes. It's about a boy who has a bad Christmas and ends up accidentally summoning a Christmas demon to his family home. So did you see Krampus, Bill Shetty? I haven't. It sounds fun, and I can't wait to see it. Okay, well, get some popcorn, maybe get some candy, you know, and have a good time. (laughs) Let me backtrack one second. That A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night, the Mm. director and writer, Anna Lily Amapur, she was on Grizzly Zone. I had her while she was making this years ago. So go back to horror on the go. Yes. And she was talking about it. She was just getting the funding through Indiegogo or one of them. And I'm so proud of her that it got such high ratings because, you know, she was somebody nobody knew and we got her on the show. So go back to Grizzly Zone. It just the audio's up and listen to that. And I don't know the episode. That's so <laughs> cool, man. I, I, I have high hopes for her. She's making a cannibal movie right now. And Is I've got my cool? fingers crossed that she does a good job with it. Yeah, wow. she's a cool chick, man. She's like a rocker chick, man. I really liked her. She was yeah. awesome. You can tell from her ID IMDB photo that she's cool. She, mm-hmm. <laughs> she exudes it. <laughs> Very much so. All right. What do you got, Bill Shetty? What is your um, number six? Okay, number six, still at a 7.5. It's probably the most highly talked about horror film this year. I love the music in this. Best soundtrack all year. It follows unique, not the best story going on, but it was freaky enough. I enjoyed it. I loved the pool scene where people said it was so fake. I actually enjoyed it. I thought it was really cool looking and it just kept you into the movie with what's going on. I mean, they could have explained a little more, but hopefully if follow two comes out and explains it. So that's my number six, man. I, I liked it. I got to give you credit because on your uh, predictions show on January 21st, 2015, you chose this as your number four pick and mm-hmm. it ended up being I your did. number six. So that's pretty, pretty close. Pretty good. Huh, man. I actually really enjoyed this movie. I was blown away because it's not, my typical type of movie I would like, but I got into the story. The sound really did it for me. The best score all year, in my opinion. You got to have a system. You got to watch it because it's just freaky. It's got that deep bass. I really like the movie. I just wish they could explain more. I couldn't go higher in seven and a half first. And there was some CG that was noticeable and stuff, but I liked it. And there had some faults in there. I read a lot of places where there was faults in the movie inconsistencies but <laughs> i reckon that, uh, any horror fan i think would enjoy it they might not buy it but to me i bought it i oh. really liked it i got the blu-ray right away right after i seen it really oh. good movie oh i'm so glad to hear that i was gonna be a little bit mad at you if you didn't like that movie so oh, i enjoyed it <laughs> Different, i'm unique, very pleasantly right? surprised that you liked it i mean i'm, I'm really happy actually yeah, i was waiting on you to say that movie was so overrated so i'm really happy <laughs> no, you know I don't listen listen to hype on movies. Sometimes you just can't avoid it because it's so around you. But right. you know, like Baba Duck last year. Like I didn't think I was gonna like that when I started watching it, but I was pleasantly surprised with that movie too. So Oh, cool. Okay. Well, my number six is um 
you know, a little mild cannibal movie called The Green Inferno. Mm. And uh, I, I did, as hard as I am on this movie, I did enjoy it. I had a good time. And, you know, I ate like a pulled pork burrito before I saw it. And that really affected my viewing of it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Because, you know, I just felt so full. And I'm like, oh, I ate all that meat. And now I'm watching this cannibal movie. And so that, that could have played into my experience with it. But um, this film, it's one of the most gorgeous looking like it's a beautiful appearance it's probably second to crimson peak as far as like the the, one of the best looking horror films i saw all year like when in the opening sequence to the green inferno they have these helicopter shots of these trees of the forest they're just flying over it and wow it's breathtaking Uh, i just i loved it and it's about a group of students Student activists who travel to the Amazon to save the rainforest and they encounter a tribe of cannibals. Um, my only disappointment, the reason this, I mean, I was expecting this to be a lot higher on my list because I, my anticipation for it was big. But um, I, I actually, there was good stuff in it, but I wish there had been more like um, hardcore cannibal type stuff. They did some comedic stuff that I was very. <laughs> I guess put off by, and I know I don't have a sense of humor or something, but it just kind of bugged me. But it's still a good film, seven point five out of ten, and it's it's a buy. Okay, Josh, what's your number six? My number six is what we do in the shadows. <laughs> Talked about it. It's the vampire movie we we gave some discussion earlier, and okay. I don't have much more to say about it. Okay, no, that sounds good. I, I knew that was going to be on your list. I had a feeling. Okay. And the listener number six, I'm happy to, this one made me happy. Insidious chapter three, I got 42 oh, points. Did you see it, Bilchetti? I didn't. <laughs> I didn't uh, okay. It. You're going to be surprised. It's very effective, but it's a prequel set before the haunting of the Lambert family that reveals how the psychic Elise Rainier, or Rainier, maybe is how it's pronounced, she reluctantly agrees to use her ability to contact the dead in order to help a teenage girl who's been targeted by a dangerous supernatural entity. And uh, I say, listeners, that's a good pick. I like it. Okay, Bill Shetty, what's your number five, sir? Okay, you can all rip me. Sorry, I liked it, guys. I'm going to say it right now. (laughs) It was on my predictions list. A lot of TNA muck. Oh, my I really goodness. enjoyed it. I knew you was going <laughs> to say it, Jay. Yes, it's freaky. It's weird. The acting ain't the best. You know, I don't mind that. But I don't know what it was, man. Girls running around nude, getting away from freaking barbarian looking things, man. I liked it. So, <laughs> muck, man. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, I liked it. Well, that, that's your, I mean, I'm not going to bash on your pick too much, but one good thing about that film is it's actually a St. Patrick's Day movie. So if you need a, a St. Patrick's Day horror movie, Bill Shetty says, watch Muck. I think I might be the highest rated on this out of most critics that I read, but I don't care, man. I don't yes. know what they were expecting. I got what I wanted out of it. It had some cool kills. It had the whitish looking things coming out of the mud and girls running around nude. I 
I don't know. I loved it, man. I had a great time with it. I've seen it probably three times this year, man. That's how much I liked it. So <laughs> You're killing me with that one. Yeah, that was your number three pick on your predictions. So what did you rate, Muck? Is that a 7.5? 7.5, yep. All right, Bill yep. Shetty. You cracked me yep. up. Okay. All right. So, no, I, I'm, I appreciate your pick. So my number five, then, is Insidious Chapter 3. And that's an 8.5 out of 10 to me. And it Ooh. it may actually it may actually be more effective than even the first one. Um I I, I love this. I was really impressed. In fact, the whole Insidious trilogy I think is pretty decent. A lot of people dog on number two, but I had fun on I really had fun at the theater in chapter two, as everybody knows. But this one, um there are some I, I don't like ghost movies, but I think there are some genuinely uh, creepy, scary, unsettling things, and actually, the mon- the appearance of the quote unquote monster in this, the the main ghost or the enemy that they're battling, I actually, you know, I've I've thought of that being <laughs> ever since, you know, since seeing the movie, it's come up a couple times, and there are, there are a few sequences in this that I think are just masterfully done, and I cannot believe um, what an impressive actress. Oh, Lynn Shay. Bob Shay's sister. Yeah, Bob Shay's sister, Lynn. And uh, she is very good in this. I mean, if you had wondered before if she had acting chops, this movie will show it to you. Uh, this ended up just really impressing me. Um, I will say, though. If she didn't impress you, and there's something about Mary and Kingpin, then she'll definitely win you over here. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, like. Um, the weird thing is, and maybe it's because I don't love ghost movies, but I, and and I don't have a great memory about movies. My short, for some reason, my memory is not very good. It's not a good sign. But but I don't remember a ton about this movie. To be perfectly honest with everybody, so um, I guess I could say honestly, since seeing it in June, maybe it's not overly memorable. But I remember the experience I had. I was freaked out and very impressed with the way it was made. So. There you go. Um, Josh, what's your number five? My number five is M. Night Shyamalan's The Visits. And I don't have much more to say about that one either. <laughs> but I really I really enjoyed it. I think it's got some fun scares. And, I, and I'm just rooting for this guy to be back. I'm hoping this new movie he's making with Jason Blum is going to be awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good pick. I like that. Okay, and then the, we're, we're down to the listener number five. And that is... We are still here, and that's a mm. forty-five points in the cold, wintry fields of New England. A lonely old house wakes up every thirty years and demands a sacrifice. This is one of the ones I'm just lamenting. Everybody told me I would love it, including Dino, and I really wanted to see it, and I fully intended to. I just didn't get get it in before this show, so I'm sorry about that. I did rewatch it to make sure, you know, because I hadn't seen the whole, I'd only seen the beginning of it, and Dave loved it so much. I wanted to, uh, you know, make sure I wasn't dismissing it improperly, and I still didn't make my list. I did like it a lot more, and it gets pretty cool toward the end. Um, It it goes in some very unexpected places, and there's an interesting mix of of threat elements that is, I think is what makes it the best. Larry Fessenden's performance ends up being awesome. I didn't like him initially when he was introduced in the film, but he ends up being so good. 
at the end of the movie. And there's like some interaction with the townspeople that is really amazing. And the ghosts, the ghosts are not your typical ghosts. They are gory, monstrous killers. And so it's pretty fun. Nice. Okay, cool. Good pick, listeners. Bill Shetty, what's your number four? All right. Starting with the eight right now, and we already mentioned it, Jay, is Landmine Goes Click. <laughs> Must own film. It goes in places you never expected. Great acting. Totally enjoyable. A little slow in parts, but you won't get out of it because you're so curious what's going to happen with these three characters pretty much. And, uh, yes, go somewhere you never expect to. And some shocking scenes. Yeah. Highly recommend this film. Yeah. It's an eight. Everybody I tell about this, they're like, I'm going to go watch that right now, right now. Mm-hmm. And, yep. and, and it has some pretty strong horror, huh? Bill Shetty. It sure does. It's not listed anywhere that it's that horrifying, but it's straight up horror to me. I mean, there's no doubt what they show and where it goes. Um, it's a pleasing film. Really enjoyable. Yeah, I'm, I'm really proud of having this in our lists. I, I think it's one of the gems of um, this particular. I think so, too. I mean, mm-hmm. that, that that's kind of exciting to me. And um, yeah, so there was only one other listener who had... I at least put this as an honorable mention. And um, Jeez, I, I was sad. But I mean, I just think a lot of people didn't see it. And um, I think so yeah, too, I, I, because I, I it's not notable. It and it's a dumb name. It's just a dumb name. You know what I mean? Landmine <laughs> goes clay. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I think it's a cool it's, name, but not very. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to market for sure. Yeah, but where it goes, it doesn't even make sense where it goes. Just, you know, how somebody gets stuck on a landmine, that's about it. But it goes places that you never see coming, believe me. <laughs> that's excellent. Okay. Um, and I'm sorry, I, I, I spent like extra time planning to be able to reference which listeners picked what. But in, in that particular instance, I'm sorry to the listener who chose it that I didn't, I didn't get to give you a shout out as well. So sorry about that. My number four is one of the first movies that I saw. In fact, I believe it was the first film, one of the first films I saw in January of 2015. And I thought, wow, we started off the year strong. And that's Preservation. It's an eight out of 10. It's a strong rental to me. And um, you got this, basically these these people, this woman goes out hiking with her husband and brother-in-law. It, it, it actually starts out, Bill Shetty, kind of like landmine goes click. And and then they become uh, preyed upon by an unseen hunter who wants to turn them all into trophies. And it's kind of a survival horror with a slasher blend. And mm-hmm. I, I absolutely loved it. I think preservation is definitely something you got to see because there are, and I can't even get into it, but, but there are some really disturbing aspects to it. Um, and, and particularly, the best way I can describe it is how casual the killer becomes about taking life. Okay, what do you got, Josh, for your number four? My number four is The Hallow, um, which <sighs> was originally titled The Woods. This just coincidentally has one of my favorite posters of the year. Yes. yes. Um, it is a cool little beastly freak movie, Jay. Yeah. Did you see this one? I was dying to see it. I'm sorry. I learned about it in film comment, wanted to see it. I knew it was beastly freaks and I'm so glad you liked it. It's, it's awesome little monster movie. 
Um, it has got some a little whiff of the Wicker Man in it, and it does something that we talk we've talked about before that is extremely difficult to do, which is make nature scary. You know, we talked we've talked we've made fun of things like the happening and the elements in the ruins. And this has a little bit of that, but don't let that scare you. It actually handles the ecological aspects pretty well. Um, and it's and it's just really surprisingly touching, too. Like it's, um, you know, like another movie coming up on my list, it's shockingly um, heartfelt and pulls at your heartstrings a lot more than you would expect from a monster movie in this case. Wow. So, yeah, that that's very high on my list, and um, I I have like five films that I was trying to watch before this show, and that was one of them. Now, quick question, Josh, since like this appeared in Film Comment, and a movie called The Witch was in Film Comment. Yeah, The Witch is was on my list, but it's I don't think it's available anywhere. I looked really hard. Right. I know it's in limited release in the U.S early next year yeah it's gonna be like a 2016 film really yeah. like as far as i'm concerned but uh what i was gonna ask you is like these these horror films that show up in film comment it's not often that a the horror film is kind of the at least advertised there now did is it a matter of some of these snooty people at film comment <laughs> sorry they don't listen to this show, don't worry. But like, uh-huh. it, is it a matter of them like liking a horror film well enough that they pull it in, or did the people who um, you know finance the Hallow did they pay to get it advertised in film comment? Oh, that I don't know um, about whether they were paid off. Are you saying it was just an ad, or they actually covered the film? Well, I mean, I guess it's closer me, to coverage. But let me say this: it it's beautifully shot, in my opinion. You know, we t- we talked about this when we reviewed Crimson Peak, and I don't want to get ahead of myself on my list here, but that was very artfully done. You know, we talked about um, how Guillermo del Toro just makes gorgeous things to look at in his movies, and that is true with this movie, too. It's beautiful to look at. I mean, you can tell by the poster that the people are aesthetically keyed in, um, but the monsters in this are awesome looking. The design is just really great, and it's well lit and well shot and it's kind of above the cut for a movie of its kind i would say excellent it's also dabbles in other genres like i mentioned you know it's got that kind of mystery element with the wicker man kind of stuff suspense you know fantasy like so action like it's got all of those things mixed into it so that's probably another reason that the snooty people can you know <laughs> i guess can dabble in our world a little bit but great all right but absolutely worth seeing guys like it's a it's a high priority rental to anybody okay excellent well definitely for me okay so now i believe we're on the listeners picks for number four and this one made me this pick here made me love shannon even more and the listeners because they rated it so high it's bone tomahawk 46 points it barely beat out we are still here for number four Four men set out in the Wild West to rescue a group of captives from cannibalistic cave dwellers. More on that later. Good pick, guys. Okay, Bill Shetty, what is your number three? I'd back you on preservation just to go back a little bit. It made my notable mentions, Jay. Oh, so cool. good pick. Same here. Num- yeah, okay. number three, we already mentioned. Your fans mentioned it. Tales of Halloween. 
I gave an eight out of 10 because two of the 10 I didn't like. So I deducted two off, but it's a Halloween horror movie. Highly recommend the anthology. Some great kills, some great weird scenes. It's got everything in it. Aliens, slashers, monsters, supernatural. Totally enjoyed the film from start to the finish except two stories and they weren't that bad i just personally didn't like them so eight out of ten get it any horror fan has to see this movie it's a no-brainer to me <laughs> eight gotcha nice this was this was on my list to see this week i had i was like uj i had a few that i was just trying to sneak in under the wire and ultimately mm-hmm. goodnight mommy beat this one out in terms of uh, me watching it um but we were yeah you gotta about- see it guys you gotta see it We've talked about doing an anthology-themed episode, and this would be a fun one to cover when we do that. And we certainly will. Okay. All right, very good. So now we're on uh, number three, and this is my number three, and I'm happy to report. For most of the year, at least, I thought this was going to end up being my, my number one. I didn't know what could unseat it, but it's number three, and it's It Follows, 8.5 out of 10. Josh and I... When you and I had that conversation about this, Josh, I grew to love the film that much more, and um, it's in- incredible. A young woman is followed by an unknown supernatural force after getting involved in a sexual encounter. And man, powerful stuff. Everybody knows about this film, believe me. <laughs> so, okay, that's It Follows, and what is your number three, Josh? Well, this is one that Bill Shetty's already mocked me for. It is The Final Girls. And I, on oh, one no. hand, I'm surprised that Bill didn't like it. On the other hand, it doesn't surprise me because it is more comedic than even something like um, Cabin in the Woods. But I will say, I think it pays more tribute to horror and slasher than that film does. And I think it's a lot more clever than that movie, in my opinion. Uh, this is, you know, we reviewed this one also on episode 76. But um, I just really, I really loved the way this evolved. I wasn't sure at first. I, I was kind of turned off by it at the beginning, but it just kept winning me over more and more as the movie went on. And I, I thought that it was surprisingly touching. I, I was really blown away by the heart of the film, um, not just the kind of slasher elements that are in it. I think it's a great movie. I think it's going to last. I think this is a... Um, going to be a, a cult classic now, in my opinion. You don't think it was dumb, though, Josh? <laughs> it is dumb, but it start, but it's, right. it gets Good. less dumb as. Glad it you agreed with that. <laughs> <laughs> it, it starts out dumber than it ends up, is what I will say. Like I think it starts out kind of dumb, and it and it and it progresses, and I think it's smarter than it seems. When does it not get dumb? When she's sitting there dancing like in the 80s, waiting for the slasher guy to come in to settle <laughs> I me? Mean. <laughs> I think it's fun. I, it's fun, and I think it, you know, like the, the place I'll disagree with you on is I don't think it's mocking the slasher. I think it loves slashers, so. I mean, yeah, I don't, it's again, I don't know why have they have to be comedies. I don't, I don't know why they're afraid to just be straight ahead homages, but, um, but I didn't mind this one. And I, and I yeah, am be- leery of this kind of stuff. Right. Because even all the slashers in the eighties, they didn't act the way they portrayed in that film. And they're supposed to be, what's the word I'm looking for? Praising the genre that made so many horror fans. And then, 
they go in reverse. Like they make all the characters so stupid and like outlandish lines that they never did. So it takes away all the scares. No, me. man. I saw all of the Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street movies this year. So I don't know. I've seen some pretty dumb characters. <laughs> well, not that. No way, man. Come on. And, and, and I believe the reason this happens with this, this comedy, the shoehorning it in like this. I mean, I think it has to do with uh, Scream and New Night. Nightmare. I mean, I think it's like poor, poor man's versions uh, of that kind of thing. I think they just thought, oh, hey, everybody loves Scream. Everybody loves like. Let me be clear, though. This one is not a poor man's version. This is a cut above. Oh, right. <laughs> Sorry. No, I just wanted to be clear about that because this yes. one, because I, I love Scream, but I didn't like all the stuff that came after it. I thought it spawned a lot of really crappy movies, um, but I think this is a good one. Well, the listeners are going to be very pleased with your pick, just to give a teaser there. So, and speaking of listeners, they're number three. I'm happy this is on their list because it's on mine too, but this was much higher than I ever anticipated they would put it. So, they're number three. It's The Visit with 60 points. Nice. Okay. (laughs) So, Bill Shetty. So many handheld fans out there. My God. (laughs) Bill Shetty, what is your number two pick? All right, number two, still sticking with eights. Hopefully you guys have seen it. I haven't heard this talk about by anybody. Not that I've been scouring the internet. I haven't done much of that, but it is a, say again? What's it called? He said eight. It's eight rated. Oh, it's it's an eight. Yeah, it's eight. (laughs) He was like, what's this? Okay, this is a smart, you want to talk about a smart slasher, Josh? Here you go. Get final girls out. Supernatural twist with the slasher. Scary, some kind of hate. Highly, highly recommend. Mm. Have you seen it? I have seen it. You're not going to like my biggest disappointments list. Oh, really? Wow. I was blown away. It's about a kid that gets bullied and something happens with them with a supernatural twist and it goes pretty hardcore slasher, tons of blood, little CGI. You can notice it, but I'll tell you what, man, I was totally shocked. I knew not one thing about this movie. Turned it on, was blown away, totally captivated throughout the film. And I thought it was a really clever movie. So I'm curious what you did not like, Josh. Let me tell you what I did like right now. What I thought was awesome was the way the supernatural twist, um, how the monster, how it worked, how the monster worked in the movie was so cool. I've never seen anything like that. Exactly. So in that way, it was awesome, but I just was not interested really in most of the characters of the world. And I just, I don't know. I hated I hated just the world and the location. It was so cliche. All the stuff. I like, love that though, man. I love those characters. The bullies oh. in this movie are so dumb. Like the guy, <laughs> the kid even admits it. That's the weird thing is that you think the movie's self-aware. Cause it's like, how cliche is this? I'm going to pick on the freak kid. And then he just goes ahead and does it anyway. I don't know. It's just that part, I hated that stuff. But you but, don't think that's real life though, man. You don't think people are like that. I don't know. It's it was a little over the top for me, but I will. I'm going to give it credit. I think the killer, it, you know, it is a supernatural killer, but I think the killer is incredible in the movie. I 
Dude, I just can't believe you're saying that's over the top and you're rating Final Girls. <laughs> well, it's a difference. Final Girls is supposed to be a comedy. This is supposed to be taken seriously. Exactly. And, and I can't take this seriously because it's so silly. It's like the metal, <laughs> the heavy metal comes. Look, I saw two heavy metal movies this year, and this is the funnier one, and the other one's a comedy. Um, this goes. <laughs> It's like the heavy metal comes in. It's like, jujun, jujun, jujun. he's like, I'm drying. I'm drying. But can't you overlook <laughs> that a little bit, man? The cliches because of how intelligent and clever it was and something that wasn't done before, man. I'm drying. Uh, yeah. I, look, I, I, I do love the killer. I give it, I give it all the credit in the world for that. But, but I would say the rest of it is what kept it off my honorable mentions list. And, but you don't think the lead character played a hell of a part though too, man. I Besides thought he was badly cast because he was a tough, he was a cool guy with big muscles. He didn't look like the kind of dweeby kid that would be getting picked on by all these guys. All right, I could I could see that, but I'm talking about his acting in general, though. I mean, he's a decent actor, but I just didn't I didn't believe him as that character because I would have thought they should have gotten a scrawnier kid or or more of a freak, and he was a. But that would have been a cliche, then, man. Yeah, but he looked like Johnny Depp, and he was getting picked on, and plus he was like, but he got, but he got the hot girl though, man. Freaking a dweeb ain't gonna get the hot girl. But she was using him, Bill. <laughs> All right. I got it. All right. It's an awesome movie. Jay, you got to see it. Fans, you got to see it. If you it's took the excellent. main kid off that Teen Wolf television show and tried to cast him as like a nerd, that's what that's what happens in the movie. No. But, but other than, yeah, the killer's cool. I'll keep it. Look, for you, because of this, I'll keep it off my biggest disappointments list, but it did not make my honorable mentions, which I thought it could based on that killer. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. All right. It's an eight, Jay. All right. Thank you, Bill Shetty. That's great. Um, all right, guys. So my number two, man, I wrestled back and forth between one and two, one and two, because of my entire list, this one is a masterpiece. This one is a 10 out of 10. And, and yeah, this is this is the best made horror type film I saw all year. And props to Shannon who recommended it. Bone Tomahawk freaking loved it. And it's the the Western with some horror in it. This, and Bill Shetty, I'll tell you this. Did you see Bone Tomahawk? I have not, man, because it didn't even excite me. People told me about it, but I'm thinking no. And I didn't get, I had some on my list too, guys. That we, that one that Josh mentioned, I can't even think of the name now. We are still here or something. Like mm-hmm. people yeah. highly recommended that to me. And Bone Tomahawk was another one, but I didn't get to it. Well, let me just say this. It's a it's a slow burn Western, but it's very well made. I mean, it reminds me a lot, not not plot wise, but just in its execution and realism. It reminds me a ton of Unforgiven, but I won't rehash all that for our listeners here. But I just want to say, Bill Shetty, for as long as I've been a horror fan, basically, my favorite number one favorite horror kill was the first sledgehammer blow in our favorite horror movie, Texas Chainsaw mm-hmm. Massacre. Well, that is now second place after the kill, after a particular kill in Bone Tomahawk. You got to really? see it just for this kill. Um, it's incredible. Just as long as you know it's basically the only kill in the movie. <laughs> it's God, not. I hate westerns too, guys. Like that's like the worst. Well, yeah, there's I mean, no way Bill's gonna like this movie, man. He probably he probably won't like it, but I I I still want him to see that kill. So maybe you could YouTube Look it up it. on YouTube. <laughs> 
Yeah, but it's in. Now, I'll watch all these. You know, I always eventually watch them. This was just a bad year for me. So I, I, I missed a lot. I can tell by what the fans are recommending to. Yeah. Well, and I got you here. Like, um, Sal said he named this most overrated horror of 2015. Mm. He said, quote, not a big fan of Westerns, and you hyped this up so much that it just couldn't live up to the expectations I had. Well, Sal, I say, I'm not mad at you, sir, but I do want you to be punished. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm totally messing. Okay, so that was my number two. And Josh, what is your number two? It's a movie called Crimson Peak. It was directed by Guillermo del Toro. It's the best directed movie I saw this year in any genre. Um it's the production design, cinematography, acting, but especially just the sets and the costumes and, and the camera work are on another level um, than 99.9% of the movies you'll ever see in your life. They don't, you don't get them like that, guys. And especially maybe <laughs> if you do, you get them in big robot punching movies. You don't get them in a gothic horror tale. And so I, I like seeing all of that creepiness on screen and, from a director who gives a damn about the genre and isn't afraid to make a movie like this on a huge budget for a studio. Um, yeah. I mean, that's it. I, you know, could there have been more scares? Absolutely. Could there have been more gore? Absolutely. But this is a well-told ghost movie and I love all of the historical technology that is like throughout this film and how that plays a role into, the detection of ghosts uh, through the, like in the time period. So it's my number two, Crimson Peak. It's a nine. I back you, Josh. It is a very fine film. There's no doubt about it. Excellent pick. Okay, we're down to the listeners number two. This is kind of exciting here. The listeners number two, Josh is going to be very happy about this. It is The Final Girls. They gave it 76 points. The final girls, good pick, listeners. According to Josh, I'm curious Not according about according to Bill, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really interested in seeing it now. After hearing you guys fight about it Where's so much, hard gone these days. Jay, you're not going to like it, dude. Believe me, man. <laughs> Trust me, Jay. You know me. <laughs> you, you know me. I give credit where credits deserved, Jay. You know that, and there's just none there, man. I'm blown away by that. We should do another one of those battery wagers, like the battery. <laughs> no, there's no way, Jay. <laughs> Dude, there's so much over-the-top comedy in this movie. I just couldn't imagine you liking it. Wow. I really okay. couldn't. Josh, are you trying to steer me wrong? I'm not telling you to do anything. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm telling messing. level-headed listeners that this is a great movie. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Look, Jay, your your aversion to comedy and horror is, as I see it, a major stumbling block to your enjoyment of a lot of great movies. So I'm yes. not going to tell you what to do. If you don't like to watch horror comedies, don't watch them. Right. That's cool. That's cool with me. It's comedy horror, Jay, not horror comedy. Okay. I know how you like to decide that. Yeah, that helps me to know. Okay. Well, thank you. And now we're um, to Bill Shetty's number one pick. And um, by the way, it's like where Bill Shetty is right now, everybody, it's like 2.40 in the morning. So this is really yeah. nice of you. We won't keep you much longer, Bill Shetty. But what is your number one horror movie of 2015? Okay. You both are huge slasher fans, right? Yeah. Right, Josh? Yeah. You got it. I right. know what you're good. I know what it is. Do you? 
I do. Say it then for me, Jay. Do you want me to say it? Say it. Girl house. Nope, I didn't see it. Oh, you'll I like that. You'll like it. I'm sure I will because I looked it up on IMDb when you said a uh, fan said I would like that. Oh yeah. <laughs> so I did not see that. But this is another slasher. Oh my god, I love this movie. I've seen it probably five times, and you know I don't rewatch movies. It is Charlie's Farm. Oh, nice. <laughs> I've been curious you- about this. No, you guys didn't see it. You're killing me. Oh, my God. Oh, no. The, tell us about it. What do you get when you get Kane Hodder, not the killer, but fighting the killer who was a previous strongman that's seven foot three makes Kane Hodder look like a midget, man? <laughs> oh, my God. This is a straight up slasher. I loved it. People go out to a farm and there's this legend and they go back and forth with how this guy became to be the continuation of this film, because they show this killer when he was a kid and then growing up when he's older and he's just like a big mute, like this guy is literally huge. I think he's actually seven, three hugely built graphic as hell. There's some castration scenes in this that make you cringe. <laughs> There is this one guy and you know how people say they hate Franklin in our favorite film. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's a guy in this that could be that part, but I loved him. He was a little comedy thrown in there, but I loved his role. No comedy at all in this movie with the kills and stuff like that. But, oh my God, you got to get this movie. It is the best slasher I've seen in a long time, guys. Since Sweatshop. And I know you didn't like that, Jay. But this has better acting. Okay. More scary. Backstory all makes sense. And there will be a part two. I can't wait, guys. (laughs) It's awesome. 9.0. I couldn't go to 10. I'm not even going to say the negatives that I had. And it's very minute things. Some things I didn't like, but awesome slasher you gotta see it well thank you that's great i'm really excited i was i was very curious about that but i'll watch it now for sure that was on my list i had just seen lost after dark which i didn't love and um the killer kind of looked similar i think that's what it made me end up not seeing it because when i pulled it up just now i was like wait a minute i have seen this haven't i and then i remembered no i haven't i didn't watch it because i was afraid it was gonna be like lost after dark again (laughs) but um no it's cool i'll put it on my list awesome okay well i'm glad we have these uh top 10 lists and i'm glad that there's a number one spot where you can put a movie so people will take you seriously and actually check out what you recommend because i guarantee everybody's going to check out charlie's farm now and i'm really hoping everybody will check this out i fought for it earlier in the year i'm going to tell you right now my number one guys i have i have never had an experience like I had watching this, like viscerally the way I felt. A lot of people probably won't even consider this a horror film, but to me it's scary as hell. It's No Escape from 2015. Are you kidding me? I'm not That's kidding That's not horror, Jay. Brother, it's horror. You watch it. Did you watch it? I didn't, but I heard a lot about it. Well, you're going to hear a lot more right now. my mind right now. That's right. It's going to blow your mind. Josh, how many times did I beg you to watch this? Have you seen it yet? 
I remember you telling me one time that you had been begging me, and I didn't remember the previous begging, but now I guess this makes two at least that I'm aware of. I mean, I, I have done nothing but like proselytize this movie. Yes, it has Owen Wilson in it. No, he's not playing a comedic character. It's a straight dramatic role. I don't have a problem with that. I like Owen Wilson. I've seen him play a serial killer before in The Minus Man. But Right, right. And his uh, wife in it is Lake Bell. Okay. and One of my favorite actresses. Uh, see see where we're going with this and he has they have two kids and they go to this other country um on business and Cambodia, a, maybe well yeah they don't name it explicitly but and a, and a coup erupts there and they and the people of the city it's this violent outbreak they start killing people especially americans and this guy's whole family is in danger like they're executing people on the spot and so they have to I mean, once this thing gets going, they are running and trying to escape <laughs> the entire time. And I was on the edge of my seat. I actually thought, because I'm a little bit out of shape now, I actually thought, I'm going to have a heart attack right here in the theater. I was so worked up and upset. And I, I will say this, I'm a dad and I happen to have two kids. And so if you're not a parent, and you don't have kids, maybe this won't hit you the same way. But Josh, it'll hit you. And you will you will be in it. I mean, it is it is really extreme, and there are some serious serious like kills in this uh, too. I mean, there there's some really upsetting stuff, and it reminds me the most of um and and I hope this doesn't compare it like unfavorably, but the first purge, which was more horror esque than the second one, this has stuff like the purge in it where it's like really extreme like executions right in front of your eyes. It, it does have Pierce Brosnan in it. Um, in in kind of a a smaller supporting role, and he he is his part bugs me a little bit, but uh, that that it doesn't ruin the film for me. I mean, this was the the strongest experience I had all year. It's a nine point five out of ten. This is a buy, and I definitely call it a must see. No escape. I think you're converting to my side, Jay, because I haven't heard anybody call this horror. I know I haven't seen it, so I know, but it's 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 more it's more survival horror than most things I call survival horror. I mean, it's breathtakingly, you know, it's just scary. But anyways, that's mine, Josh. Dying to hear it. What's your number one? So we have a listener named Patrick Moot. Um, he's a comedian, actually, and he was in a documentary. This is kind of weird, but um, he was in a documentary called Unhung Hero about how he's insecure about his penis size. So he goes around the world trying to figure out if he's normal and what can be done about it and things like that. Um, it's actually not a not a bad doc. <laughs> if if you're interested in the subject matter, he he was recommended to me by um, a couple comedians um, who I met when we were filming our doc. Anyway, so Patrick contacts Horror Movie Podcast on Twitter, and he says, uh, "Guys, dig the podcast, but can anyone explain to me what part of It Follows is either scary or effective?" So that's what I'm about to do, Patrick, because my number one film is It Follows. Yes. Um, this was the most surprising film I saw all year. I walked in. I was had my mind blown. I was on the edge of my seat in the theater. I was scared of the person sitting behind me in the theater. I was totally engaged with this. And I think the film is effective because it uses Hitchcock-like um, tension. 
It, it, you know, there's a Hitchcock has a uh, device that he uses called "There's a bomb on the bus," mm-hmm. where basically he shows you that there's a bu- a bomb, and then you carry out the rest of your story knowing that it's there. And that's what we get in the first scene of this film. We see that there's a threat. It makes it all the scary, more scary that it's unseen, because of course we're all afraid of the unknown. And we see that the this girl is, um, she's afraid. She's very vulnerable. Uh, we can, by the way, she's dressed in, in extremely vulnerable clothes, not only high heels where she has to run, but also in kind of a nightgown situation, nighty. Um, we see that she's terrified, but also kind of has a procedure that she's following to avoid this thing. Um, and then very quickly afterward, we see the aftermath of what happens to her and it's gruesome and gory and brutal. And so we know that we should be scared. And we are, and I believe because of that, because the bomb is set in that first scene, and because this threat is unseen, this film uses tension in a way that I haven't seen in years. Like it, it, I think it's you know the thing that's missing from a lot of modern horror is tension. Because I love the scares, I love the mystery, I love the kills, I love the gore. But if you don't have the tension, it doesn't do much for me. And so many modern horror films lack that element and it follows brings it in spades. Not to mention the fact that these kids are great actors. It's beautifully shot. It's an interesting, unique, totally different take on a paranormal film. Um, while at the same time, homaging all these great classic films. Um, as Bill Shetty mentioned, it's got an awesome score. It's a very influenced by nightmare on Elm street. And, I think I think it's an incredible film, and it's my number one of the year by a huge margin. <laughs> That's so funny you say that. What's our friend's name, the listener? Patrick Moot. So, Patrick, if you haven't heard it yet, on episode 50, Josh and I talk about it for over an hour, and we go into it analyzing like why we feel it's effective. So if you want to hear even more, you know, we'll try to sell you on it there, huh, Josh? Horror movie podcast episode fifty, and, and shout out to Patrick. He's he's a really funny guy. Again, the star of Unhung, Unhung Hero, and I, he's also on a po- he's got his own podcast called Moot Points. I believe he does with his brother, so that's kind of fun. But um, mm-hmm. but yeah, Patrick, listen to HMP fifty. Uh, I th- hopefully we'll be able to sell you on it. I'm sorry you didn't have the kind of experience that we all did, but man, it is a great movie. Mm-hmm. And to that point. The you said that you it was your number one by a large margin. Yes, sir. That's interesting because the listeners also chose it follows by a landslide. Okay, so it, their number two movie, The Final Girls. The listener had seventy six points for The Final Girls. Number one, it follows was one hundred and twenty eight points. They it was just it was crazy. Uh, so many people um, had this. As, as their number one. I mean, it was like their number one pick and I was really impressed. Just so, so I'll tell you who agrees with you, Josh, Dino, Sal, Juan, Carrie, Lee, Shannon, Joe. Um, like they all agree with you on it follows. It's their number one as well. And you know what? Like to have something, that, as we've talked about, this is another one of those throwback movies. It's an homage to, you know, a certain time and place that doesn't really exist anymore in cinema. But this one does it seriously. Unlike all those other ones, this one takes it seriously, number one. And number two, for being an homage, it feels wholly original. It does something that um, is so unique to just this movie, uh, despite having all these elements pulled in from other influences. 
And I love that about it. Mm-hmm. Well done. So that's our uh, top 10 horror movies of uh, 2015. And we would love to hear your thoughts on that. I'm sure you will. And thanks everybody for sending in your information and what we're going to do, just a friendly little poll. I, I would love for the listeners to pick who's uh top 10 list that they like the best out of Bill Shetty, Josh and me. Oh brother. And the reason why, because I had that idea back in March, I've got a little prize cause I'm, <laughs> I, I figured it wouldn't be me. So, um, you know, I got a prize for Bill Shetty or Josh. You know what I love about the list? Uh, number one, Jay, I like seeing that um, between the two of us, and probably if we added Dave, that would cover this empty spots, that our listeners really are vibing with us. Yeah. And the, the, mm-hmm. the other thing I love is that Bill brought all these awesome recommendations that weren't on our radars at all. Yes. And probably weren't on our <laughs> listeners' radars and added three or four movies to my list that i need to see this year i know he yeah and that's what he does best he's famous for that so yeah well done everybody i liked it so bill shetty it's almost 3 a.m for you and and that's awful can you would you mind just burning down through your like honorable mention just like real fast i don't want to keep you too long i just want to hear what else yes i will there's only five there preservation we mentioned knock knock we mentioned a low budget indie called the redwood massacre the Red another Wind low, yes, another low budget called Pernicious, hmm. and then one called Spring. Those yeah, were spring. my five. I'm glad you liked. I'm surprised and wow. glad you like Spring as well. Me too. I'm mm-hmm. shocked. I enjoyed it. Best found footage is a movie you hated, Jay, because I heard you on your <sighs> show. Unfriended was oh my, my favorite found footage of the year. Really? Oh, nice. <laughs> that's hurting me. And your least favorite? Um, what was the worst horror film of 2015? <sighs> I didn't have that, but I do got one more that came out December 30th of 2014. It was, it was a movie called app a P P I recommend getting that. Okay. (laughs) It almost made my list this year, but then I, I I had too many sevens and I said, ah, that wouldn't be right because it actually wasn't released in 2015. So I, there's too many one rated movies, Jay, to even, account for the worst i got you okay well we're we're so grateful that you took the time to be here with us it's um it's genuinely a huge honor for me to have you come on this show and uh share it with us and to share the horror movie podcast experience with the horror on the go listeners as well i think that was really cool bill shetty so i just want to tell everybody thanks for that and uh do you Give um, the listeners all your plugs and stuff, especially your Twitter, because I don't know if people know that, but Bill Shetty gives these little mini reviews on Twitter that are amazing. I love those. Tell it. Yes. And I always hold back ones that I think might be on my list. So I'll start posting more of the ones that didn't make my list when I did it. Anytime I watch a movie, I'll put it right up there, whether it's a watch, a void, whatever. So check out my Twitter. It's just that Bill Shetty, B-I-L-L-C-H-E-T-E. Come follow me there. I'll follow you back. Any horror fan, that's all that I have on my list are horror fans. So I keep an eye out on that and then just horror on the go for you HMP fans. Appreciate it, guys. Fun as always. I love top 10 time. (laughs) Me too. It's my favorite. All right. Well, it's 3 a.m. for you. And so uh, you've done your duty here tonight. So you have a good night, sir. You too. Later, guys. Thanks. Okay, Josh, are are you are you still raring to go? It's all it's one a.m. for us. 
Yeah, man. Yeah. Okay, good. I'm I'm glad to hear that. So let's go into our honorable mentions. And these uh now what do your what numbers would your honorable mentions constitute? Like is it is this effectively like your eleven through whatever? No. Um oh. there are there are one or two that could be my eleven through to like let's say eleven through fourteen could be in here, but there's also some that are pretty low down on the list. Like wouldn't make, you know, any kind of top hundred list for the year, but I just still enjoy them enough to give them a little shout out. Okay, cool. Well, and and by the way, before I meant to mention before we go into those, um, I know the one of Dr. Shock's favorite picks of 2015 was Gravy. And he couldn't be here tonight, and I didn't see Gravy myself, but um, he highly recommends it. And in his 31 Days of Horror, he wrote, Gravy is one of the most entertaining movies I've seen this year. It's a bit early to be talking about a top 10 list for 2015, but if I were a betting man, I'd lay money. Gravy will land somewhere on mine. So Dr. Shock recommends Gravy, everybody. Okay, Josh, let's hear your honorable mentions. Okay, my honorable mentions, I believe these are in alphabetical order. Um, Creep. Cub, Deathgasm, Digging Up the Marrow, uh, Krampus, Maggie, Preservation, Spring, oh sorry, The Green Inferno, these aren't in alphabetical order, Into the Grizzly Maze, The Stranger, Tiger House, We Are Still Here. The Stranger, huh? Like, um, what's that one? That is a film, um, it was produced by Eli Roth is how it uh, caught my attention. It's streaming currently on Netflix in the United States. It's about a guy who goes back to a place. It's not like I, I was afraid it was the guest, which is why I had been avoiding it. But I saw it pop up on a few people's lists. So um, he goes back looking for a woman 16 years after a kind of a horrible accident and gets into some immediate pretty dire trouble. Um, and yeah, hilarity ensues, as Andy would say on Movie Podcast Weekly. <laughs> okay, great. Uh, that's good. That's good. I like that. Tiger House is the uh, home invasion movie I was referring to earlier. Mm-hmm. Okay, I got gotcha. you. And um, yeah, Maggie. If I if I would have done a tie for my number ten, uh, Maggie could have possibly been my tie at number ten. Uh, Cub could have possibly been my tie at number ten. Creep could have possibly been my tie at number ten. Deathgasm I really enjoyed, but I just couldn't put a movie with that title on my top ten in case anyone ever looked this up. <laughs> <laughs> I understand. <laughs> but Deathgasm is a really funny movie for the most part. I, I actually look forward to talking about many of these next time we have a Frankensteinian episode. So, Oh, that sounds good. Well, my uh, honorable mentions, uh, Girl House was one of them. That's a slasher film. It was recommended to me by uh, Dino, and uh, it was good. And then the rest of them, these are honorable mentions, but like they're pretty great films, actually, but they just... They weren't as much horror as I wanted. And so Crimson Peak is one. Spring was another. A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. By the way, I think that one has the freakiest trailer of 2015. The freakiest sure. horror trailer. And then Maggie was also on there. And I'll tell you, um, Jurassic World, even though I don't necessarily consider it a horror movie, it's built exactly like a horror movie. And the Indominus Rex is, in fact, a monster. And Red Cap Jack put it as number five on his list because he said, it has monsters, so I'm throwing it in. <laughs> and then The Gift, which is um, really a thriller. It's not a horror, but it's very creepy and unsettling. 
Yeah, if I was going to do my horror light or non-horror movies beyond those that I already have that you might not consider horror, the ones that I re- I just couldn't abide on my horror list would be Bone Tomahawk, The Gift, and Knock Knock, which I enjoyed all of those films. That's right. Okay. Well, the listeners' honorable mentions, and these are in order from like votes, starting with the most votes down to the least, would be Deathgasm, Cub, The Editor, The Green Inferno, Spring, A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night, Goodnight Mommy, Girl House, Wormwood, Road of the Dead. That may be 2014, but I don't remember. Dark Was the Night. I think Wormwood's 2015. I cannot get into that movie. Shannon recommended that, I believe. I could not get into it. I don't know what the problem was. but Yeah, I got 14 points here. Okay. What about your... uh, Biggest disappointments, Josh. What what disappointed you in 2015? So my biggest disappointment was Cooties because I had been waiting for so long to see it. It took two years basically to come out after it screened at Sundance. I'm a huge fan of Elijah Wood and what he's doing uh, with SpectraVision. This is a SpectraVision film. They also produced A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. I like him as an actor as well. Rain Wilson is in this. I love Rain Wilson. Uh, uh, the main actress actually from a girl walks who walk girl walks home alone tonight is also in this totally unrecognizable. Um, Jack Briar McBriar, I guess his name is from uh, 30 rock. Anyway, great cast, great, great concept. Awesome production company. Pretty lame movie. In my opinion, it's just in Dutch. The word we would say uh, is translated to limp. It's a, it's flow. <laughs> um, okay. And it's just a little limp for me. So I got you. It's comedy before horror and there's really almost nothing exciting in it. Krampus, although it was in my honorable mentions as you know, my ratings are a little weird this way. I, I liked it enough for an honorable mention, but it also disappointed me quite a bit. It was Krampus green Inferno as well. And then I promised Bill Shetty I wouldn't put this in here, but I, I previously had some kind of hate on my biggest disappointments as well. <laughs> okay, well, I'll leave it off the list to honor your your promise. Okay. <laughs> and as for me, uh, my biggest disappointments were, uh, the biggest disappointment of the year for me was Sinister 2. I mean, it wasn't horrible, but the story was very weak. It was a six, and it was a rental. And then uh, other disappointments were uh, Krampus, which really bummed me out. And then uh, Crimson Peak, just because, just because I wanted more, more horror, more monsters. And then, how about dishonorable mentions, Josh? So, like, what we'll do is a list of um, the films that we really didn't like, and then save your very least favorite, the one you hated the most, for the very worst horror movie of 2015. Do you have some dishonorable mentions? I don't have any. Oh, really? I don't watch movies that I don't think that I think I'm going to hate. If I'm really hating it, I'll just turn it off. Um, the two that were the worst for me this year in terms of experience were some kind of hate and we are still here. And then I ended up rewatching. We, also, we are still here and liked it. So don't have much to complain about, which is good. Yeah. Well, that's fortunate for you. Um, I had Stung and I had Muck, <laughs> which was on Bill Shetty's list. <laughs> that was a 3.5 for me, Avoid. And Jonathan wrote, it was also in his, he said, there is nothing even close to this. Just awful. <laughs> That's you know, a- Stung could have been a biggest disappointment for me as well, only because the poster was so freaking cool that I was hoping for a lot more. But Yeah, yeah, definitely. And then the Gallows, as you know, that spurred my... Um, <laughs> wrath, and then 
one of the worst movies that like the second worst movie of the year was uh, the woman in black Two, angel of death. That thing was abysmal, but the very worst horror movie of the year, hands down, there's nothing even comparable was unfriended. It was a 0.5 out of 10 total avoid despised it. Did you see it yet, Josh? No, I don't really foresee myself getting around to either Unfriended or The Gallows anytime soon, although I'm not opposed to them. Dino, I believe, really liked both of them. So uh, I will check those out when I have a chance, but there's so many other movies I need to catch up with at this time of year. I don't see myself catching up to something like that until like February. No, I got you for sure. Well, and just side note, I mean, Jason Dragon, he called Unfriended his number two worst film. And, uh, just saying, but he said his number one was The Human Centipede. <laughs> uh, part three. Part three. And then um, the listener dishonorable mentions were, and there weren't that many of these submissions, by the way, but Area 51, Cooties, Wreck 4, Apocalypse, Unfriended, and then the very worst, like the listeners who took a hard stand, they named The Vatican Tapes, um, Hashtag Horror, muck as i mentioned in centipede three anyways so there you go i'm surprised even though i did dislike um cooties i'm surprised the listeners came in so hard because i know we had several listeners that loved it and gave me a really hard time when i gave it such a low rating on movie streamcast but yeah they're just again like there weren't a ton of people who actually yeah. listed their dishonorables or you know stuff like gotcha. that so that data isn't quite as accurate or filled out as you know the the top 10 picks but um, other just to run down through here as promised here the witch we got a nice voicemail from kagan salt lake city said the witch was his number one movie he saw it at sundance and he lives in salt lake hey this is kagan brian bach from salt lake city utah calling in just wanted to uh give you my favorite horror film of 2015 for your end of the year show and for me it's a movie i saw back at sundance at the beginning of this year and it's not it follows it's the witch and i think it's because I wasn't expecting a whole lot going into it, but not only is it a really great horror film, it's also a uh, awesome period piece, and it's just really well shot. And uh, I, I don't know, I really enjoyed watching it, and uh, I love the ending shot of it as well. It's a very haunting movie; it stuck with me. Anyway, lots of good movies this year, and after looking to see what else was released, uh, I noticed that I haven't seen a whole lot of horror films this year. I've been watching old stuff, so. But anyway, The Witch is one that you need to check out when it becomes more widely available. But anyway, keep up the great work on the show and uh, looking forward to hearing your top horror films of 2015. Thanks. So that's pretty cool. Um, I'm excited to see that when it comes out in the spring. wait to see that one. Yeah, yeah, he said that. Now here, of all this whole year, at least the last couple of months, what I had been planning to see, this this could make me cry, like... I, I, I had an instinct. I felt that this was going to be a good movie, and I've been trying to watch it. But Dino said watch Girl House, so I watched that instead. <laughs> but, <laughs> and I don't regret it. It was it was good. But um, was Hidden. I've been dying to watch Hidden, and that got some love. Um, their movie called The Treatment. Uh, Creep, Clown, Victor Frankenstein. And here's a question, a burning question. A lot of people mentioned The Boy. Yeah, and there's I, two movies called The Boy, first of all. Oh, okay, because I was going to say, I saw the trailer for The Boy, and it comes out in January. I'm like, how are people seeing The Boy? But yeah, There's two different movies called The Boy. Um, that's on my oh. to-see list, too. I had 
I had a few. Are you done with yours? Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, the, so the listener one is the the one, the Craig William McNeil movie, it looks like. That's the boy that they're talking about. Not the one that's coming out in January with uh, that sweet, sweet Maggie from uh, The Walking Dead. <laughs> she plays in it. Her name's not Maggie, of course. But yeah, just to mention the rest of the listeners' stuff that they said. The Atticus Institute, Howl, Jurassic World, Paranormal Activity, The Ghost Dimension, Let Us Pray, Lumberjack Man, Digging Up Tomorrow, Backcountry, The Gallows, When Animals Dream, A Christmas Horror Story, Sinister 2, From the Dark, Last Shift, The Canal, uh, the, the Devil's Candy, Poltergeist, Horsehead, Harbinger Down, The Gift, Circle, which is streaming on Netflix. I heard about that one. Pretty interesting sounding. Stung, Scout's Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse, Honey Spider, Bound to Vengeance, Tremors 5, Bloodlines, Cooties, The Lazarus Effect, The Woman in Black 2, Angel of Death, Dark Summer, and by the way, these are all like one votes. Um, the Sand, Over Your Dead Body, Late Phases, Christie, Felt, Gravy, Preservation, Final Prayer, Blood Sucking Bastards, <laughs> Maggie, Extinction, Alleluia, which is another arty film that was advertised in Film Comment, Landmine Goes Click, and Unfriended. What do you got, Josh? Um, I am adding Bloodsucking Bastards to my list because <laughs> I forgot about <laughs> I had only heard about that once, but i got to find out what that's all about. Yeah, I think that was one. Um, the films on my list are The Boy, Bound of Vengeance, Girl House, House on Pine Street, Howl, and I totally spaced that I saw When Animals Dream, which... I mean, that's a huge oversight. That should have been on my list, but oh, well, screw it. Um, How high would it have been? I don't know, man. I'd have to re reevaluate my whole list now thinking about that. Um, when animals dream. When animals dream. That could have knocked off Turbo Kid. That could have been up as high as Goodnight Mommy, actually, up at number eight. Oh, yeah. Um, I wanted to see When Animals Dream. I remember seeing the poster for that and being freaked out by it. Pretty interesting film. Uh, man, I can't believe I forgot about that movie. There were a couple that I forgot happened this year. Um, so yeah, and my honorable, sorry, not honorable mentions, uh, films I need to see, uh, Girl House, The House on Pine Street, Howl, Landmine Goes Click, Late Sh Last Shift, Let Us Pray, Night Light, uh, Old 37, Tales of Halloween, The Voices, which I'm dying to see, as well as The Witch, which I'm dying to see. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I got Hidden, We're Still Here, The Hallow, Old 37, Circle, Alleluia, The Witch. And you said The Voices? Yeah. Okay, uh, well, I'm I'm intrigued, too. I'll put that on my list to look up. <laughs> so, that's great. Okay, so we got those down. And then um, next time, just so everybody knows, so one Bill Shetty show, you know, in his following show he does predictions for 2016 and we usually run out of steam and everything on this show and we got a lot to cover still so um next time on a horror movie podcast we'll talk about what's coming up and things we're looking forward to in 2016 plus it'll be our first episode release in 2016 so that seems fitting to me josh absolutely okay wolfman josh it's just uh the two of us right now on this podcast and we're going to be talking about the year in review for Horror Movie Podcast 2015. Josh, did you know that the 2015 releases of this show consist of uh, episode 38 through episode 79, which is this one. So that's mm. 42 shows in total. Yeah. 
and I did the calculation, it's at least 80 hours of horror podcasting this year that we produced. That's wow. that's more than three straight days or two full work weeks if you're <laughs> you know if you're doing the math. And that's to say nothing of all of the preparation time, all of the post production time, all the time <laughs> you spend editing and we do the artwork and yes and promotion. And so it's pretty crazy that we're not getting paid for this. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's insane. Yeah. So I mean, as I looked back over the year, to be honest, um, it was it was a little overwhelming. Like as I was preparing like this year in review right here, I, I was looking at all that we had done, and I, and it, the hours were coming back to me. And I remember like the, the late nights. And believe me, I'm not whining right now. We're just doing a little bit of navel gazing to appreciate the work that is horror movie podcast. And and I was just really kind of blown away. Uh, you know, I'm sorry to pat ourselves on the back, but that's a lot of stuff. A lot of content. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So a uh, couple of highlights, you know, I, I have, there are several really monumental things that happened this year, in my opinion. Um, like for example, one of my favorite episodes, um, modesty be damned was episode 40, the I 80 tapes when I was helping my necro mamacon move across the country and I was stopping and looking at all the DVD racks and, yeah. Um, you know, broadcasting what horror movies they had. And do you do that, Josh, when you, you're a traveler, do you like stop and look at horror movies they're selling? I can't help anytime I walk by a DVD rack anywhere stopping. It's actually crazy. I, you know, I, I walked into a 7-Eleven the other day. I was in a huge hurry and I just wanted to grab a drink really quick because I was going to be editing for several hours and I needed some caffeine and I... I could not help myself but stop and look through the DVDs they had there in the 7-Eleven. Yes. It's really a sickness. Oh, I, I know. I, I I have that sickness. I do. No, I, I actually, I, I enjoyed that episode, and I, uh, I have to give you a lot of credit because I tried to do that twice this year. Um, I, you know, travel a lot for work, and one of the guys I travel with a lot is uh, one of my co-hosts on Movie Streamcast, Aaron Thompson. And so we decided, oh, let's do, uh, you know, some podcasts from the road. And it's pretty get, hard to get yourself to do that when you get to a hotel late at night and you're exhausted from driving oh, yeah. to uh, turn on the tape recorder or even do it in the car when you could be listening to podcasts or music or talking. Or in our case, we watch Survivor on my laptop. But <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll save this for 20. This will be one of my 2016 goals, but that... That I-80 tapes episode, I think I've only told uh, Joel Robertson my grand scheme. I only executed 50% of the actual um, idea that I had had. It was this genius thing, in my opinion, and I'm going to try to pull it off this next year because it will be incredible if it goes over. So we'll see. Maybe yeah. we maybe we could do a road trip, Josh, and pull it off. I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know. I don't know if we could get along we go to your favorite place on earth las vegas yeah let's do that uh, i think that'd be a blast but um also so we had a lot of themed episodes this year we did uh when science goes too far episode 41 that was this year yes it was february 6th wow. is when that was and in fact right after that is when we did the friday the 13th franchise review episodes 42 through mm. 47 Remember it well <laughs> yeah i know right and then um right after that in March, like right, right before April or whatever, somewhere in the spring, 
um, horror movie podcast went weekly, which is uh, kind of interesting. And in April, I pitched um, that horror movie answer man thing where we invited people to write in and ask us questions about horror, and then we would answer them a la Roger Ebert's movie answer man. And we got a total of one question sent in to us this year. <laughs> which we could not answer. Which we could not answer. So good job on that, everybody, all around. <laughs> and, then, and then here's one, Josh, that you'll remember that I think that um, you'll appreciate. In April, April 12th, I did this blog post because people were making fun of my rating system. And I did the Jay of the Dead's rating system right up. And there was a lot of mocking that, that, that spurred. Do you remember that? Oh, I, I don't remember the mocking as much, but I do remember your post. Well, you have to read the comments. The comments were, you know, replete with mocking my, <laughs> my system. <laughs> Go to hell, everybody. No, I'm just kidding. So, um, and, then, and then one of my favorite episodes ever, my favorite reviews ever, was when episode 50, when you and I reviewed It Follows for like an hour and five minutes. Hmm. And that was also where we did the crossover with uh, Dead as Hell Horror Podcast. We did the first two Pumpkinhead movies on that oh, yeah. one. And then we did three and four over on One Sick Puppy's show. So that was kind of cool. Josh, remember Art House Vampires, episode 51? It was a fun one. I believe that was your great idea, wasn't it? It was my idea, yeah, and I backpedaled the entire recording. If you listen to that episode, I'm just apologizing for selecting it the entire time. <laughs> but um, I really liked the movies we talked about, so go to hell, everybody. Yeah. In the words of Jay, Jay of the Dead. That's right, go to hell. Um, speaking of going to hell, I love them. I love the At Your Mercy episodes where the listener did the picks. We had a couple of those this the year. The first one worked out really well. I, I was I was really excited about the first one. I we did kind of bomb the second attempt at it. Well, David sent you extra, so <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, Dave. David, I'm just messing. Jeez. Um, what about uh, speaking of bombs? The biggest bomb this year was the uh, horror movie podcast T-shirt fiasco, <laughs> which was um, horrible, and it was entirely my fault. However. Um, it did make a few people happy. Some people got shirts and they were pleased with, you know, what they got. And, and, and for instance, if you look in the show notes for this episode, episode 79, you will see listener Jason Dragon, who is a huge supporter of Horror Movie Podcast. He's wearing his HMP shirt at Days of the Dead Chicago. And he's standing beside David Naughton of An American Werewolf in London fame. So that's cool. I would like to extend an invitation to all of our listeners who received their horror movie podcast t-shirts to send in photos of themselves for us to post with the, you know, with permission for us to post them. Um, I know I've seen a couple come over Twitter. Um, I saw one on Instagram, but I would love to get those in email form so that we could um, post them on the site, whether in just in the show notes, as you're saying, or I even think it would be cool to have a section of the website that was I love that. fans in their t-shirts. I love that. Yeah. And, and even though I totally screwed it up and bombed that um, this past year, um, Josh is much smarter than I am. And he's got some great ideas for how we can do that much better, much easier, et cetera. <laughs> in 2016. So um, 
you know, maybe mid-year, sometime around spring, summer, we'll tackle that again, Josh. Yeah, we'll look, at it, we'll look at another attempt at a horror movie podcast t-shirt, but all of you guys who ordered the first one, you have some, a limited edition. Yeah. And they've all got a little, like the Kiss album, you remember when Kiss put their blood in the vinyl? Yeah. Those t-shirts all have a little bit of Jay of the Dead's blood in them. Yes. <laughs> so. and, and who made me bleed? My wife, just so you all know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm just kidding. Uh, what about our versus episodes? Uh, we had the Thing movies. That was one of my favorite episodes of all time. Yes, and and I like it even more if you are just are redundant about it and go back and listen to the considering the sequels coverage of that. <laughs> that was well another one of my all time favorite podcasts. Yeah, yeah, that's that's one of the times that I knew that it was a blast to podcast with my friend Joshua Legary. On that episode. So, yeah, absolutely. And then that was episode 54 for people who need to know. And then the very next one was another versus episode for Poltergeist. I missed that one. Oh, that was the original versus the remake. And maybe a reason you missed that is because, Josh, this summer you lived in a scary place. You lived in Columbia for the summer. Yeah, it's crazy. I podcasted from Columbia for three months. (laughs) And I podcasted from Barbados one time, or no, from St. Vincent. So we did some international shows this year. That was very cool. I like that. That was cool. Uh, another big highlight for me was uh, Dr. Walking Dead's State of the Zombie Address in June. It was episode 56. I love that one. That, more than any other episode, killed me to miss. I wanted to be on that so bad. Yeah. I hated. And I thought I was going to miss another one of my favorites with the Christmas episode, but thankfully Jay and Dave were kind enough to postpone the recording of that so I could be on it. But yeah, we moved it to a Friday night, and it was a blast. So that was the previous episode. And um, by the way, something I really appreciated—not to jump too far ahead in the year—but that state of the zombie address there, um, that inspired your state of the werewolf address. Yeah, which. The audio recording is really bad because I was in Colombia and the, um, and you know, I personally am not a fan of solo casting. I don't think I do it well and I don't particularly love other people doing it, but, um, I got a lot of really nice compliments on that. So thank you everyone who, uh, enjoyed the episode. I'm glad you did. And I loved talking werewolves and I, I want to talk about werewolves more in 2016. I can't wait to talk about Howl when we all get a chance to see it. And, um, mm-hmm. yeah, it should be fun. Yeah, and that that State of the Werewolf address is good. I I was very impressed with what you did on that, and that was episode sixty. If people need to catch up with it, what Lone Wolf cast, I should say. I I, I kicked myself for saying solo cast during the recording rather than oh, Lone Wolf cast. That would have been brilliant. Oh, I know. Darn it. I'm saying it now. Okay, well, it counts. It counts. We still got it in in 2015, <laughs> and then we lost um, we lost Christopher Lee. And we did a, a short tribute to him. That was um, unfortunate this year. Another um, huge horror icon that we lost was uh, Gunnar Hansen in November. And that was very sad this year. But I will. So there were two highlight moments of the entire year, Josh, that were like the best things that happened, in my opinion. And in, in all those 80 hours of recording, two moments, I'm going to play the first one. I got the clip right here, and this is during episode 58, the infected narrative, when we were discussing 28 weeks and 28 days later, those two movies, with Kyle Bishop, 
And he was talking about the video game The Last of Us from 2013 and the premise of the zombie ant, which is a real phenomenon. And I was very proud of myself in post-production. I added the 28 weeks, the 28 days later theme behind it. And here's how that turned out. Just a little, little sample of what you got this year in Horror Movie Podcast. Uh, but it's basically, they, they take the idea of the zombie ant, uh, which is that there's a, a fungus that exists out there in the animal kingdom that, inf- that the spores lodge in an ant's brain, takes over the motor control of the ant, forces it to climb up a tree until it's at just the right height, where there's just the right temperature and just the right humidity, uh, it forces the ant to climb under the leaf and to bite into the stalk of the leaf, at which point the, the fungus explodes out of the back of the ant's head and rains spores down on the ant colonies below. <laughs> wow. Wow. That's now, horrifying. This is horrifying, and this is real. This is an actual ecosystem in the jungles, and this is how this particular plant, this particular fungus, technically, um, procreates and reproduces. It's it's through this very aggressive uh, system. That's a real thing you're saying? You're saying this fungus you're talking about really happens this way? Yes. Oh, and, my goodness. And it's not, and this is the other thing. <laughs> There are multiple versions of this fungus that infect lots of different types of insects. I'm, so here's the premise. I'm going what to if, bed. I'm going to bed right now. What if this type of thing <laughs> were somehow to mutate to where it uh, infected birds or it infected reptiles? And what if it then infected small mammals? And then what if eventually it infected humans? <laughs> so that was tied, Josh, for my favorite moment of the year. All right. That's very funny. Yeah. It was just, I, when he told that story, I mean, it really flipped me out. And so <laughs> I just thought it was pretty cool. Um, we did a Hollywood horror episode. Um, did you like that one, Josh? I did. I feel like we could have done it more justice if we had spent a little more time preparing for and covering a couple more movies. Because I think yes. <laughs> yes. it's a bigger, actually a bigger subgenre than I, we had considered. And we were kind of talking, it was mostly starry eyes that kind of got us interested in talking about that. So, mm-hmm. um, and I believe we'd had a listener recommendation for the other film, the Vincent Price film, but I, I don't know. I just, I think we could have done a better job, but it is a fun episode still. I think it's still a pretty solid episode. Yeah. I'm with you. Um, and then one of my favorites of the year was episode 61, which is in July when we did Grizzly Zone, Blood in the Air, and Killer Bears. <laughs> yeah, I think that that was a great episode. Um, was that the birth of the Campfire Tales? Or at least it was a great use of the Campfire Tales. It was. And in, and in fact, um, th- that provided one of the greatest supplementary comments ever, which you and Dave were talking about in the previous episode. When the dude left that link to that article about the uh, bear attack. Mm-hmm. Now, I read, so I read that and went and read that. And Josh, it's so amazing that <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I wanted to read it on here because I just, I worry that people aren't going to go back and search through a hundred some comments and find the link. I mean, I guess <laughs> I could link it in this, but uh, it's, it's so, I, I don't know. What's your opinion on that? Because I also don't want to dishonor. Or, you know, do anything disrespectful to, because it's almost a sacred story. It's so upsetting. Uh, my feeling is, 
I want people who missed out on that episode to go back and find it because I think that's an episode worth listening to. And I think it's an easy one to skip over if you, cause I know a lot of our listeners find us through our franchise reviews and things like that. So if, if you just came to this episode because you like scream or this podcast, because you're into Friday the 13th or something, I would love you to go listen to this grizzly bear episode and hear some of these crazy stories and read uh, that crazy story the dude left in the comments. Cause that I think are some of these lesser seen episodes or lesser, less obvious horror episodes are actually some of my favorites. I agree with that. And the grizzly zone is a good example of that. And of course the grizzly zone was a big shout out to uh, Bill Shetty as well. <laughs> of course. Yeah. So Josh also though, I mean, yeah, I agree. They should go back and listen to that grizzly zone episode of ours, but I would also, I'll just link that in the show notes from the dude that article in case they have trouble finding it. But I do hope that they'll read it if they are. Why don't you link the episode of the show notes? Yeah. It's just, uh, my only concern is as they go down through the comments, there are like a million comments. It took me a while to find it today, actually. That's good, though. I mean, that's what I'm, I guess what I'm saying is I want to trick them into engaging in the boards and. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, if they start reading, I've had, we've had listeners that like have gone to leave one comment and ended up reading the whole board and then got excited about the boards. You know That's what I mean? That's true. That's true. Well, okay, let's do that then. And I'll just tell the listeners right now that that bear story, it is worth it. And um, if you want to read something that's real life horror, you know, I've only read one other story, Josh, that I found equally as upsetting. And that was just the other day. And it like destroyed me inside. It was this awful news story, which I won't even go into here. But, um, but anyway, it's, powerful bear attack story for sure so anyways moving on uh also in july after seeing uh the gallows i was provoked to um produce uh, my most presumptuous episode of the year at least from my point of view you were very (laughs) professional (laughs) and that was episode 63 a horror fans plea to jason blum and blumhouse productions or Jay of the Dead's 13 principles for making an effective horror film. <laughs> the guy who has never made a film, period, meaning me. So what do you think about that, Josh? Well, I thought your principles as laid out were very interesting. I thought they were well thought out. Clearly, you spent a lot of time creating those. I think they're excellent guideline for the most part. There are a couple I disagreed with, but for the most part, I think they're an excellent guideline for anyone writing a screenplay, a horror film, uh, to take into consideration. You know, what I like to do when I'm writing is kind of just write brain to paper the first draft mm-hmm. but then go through and look at something like The Hero's Journey, for instance, and apply that where appropriate. Or look at just, you know, different Sid Field and apply where appropriate, David Mamet, and apply where it fits your story. Because you don't want to do something too cookie cutter. You want to keep your voice but it helps to look at all these great minds and see what influence, uh, what mistakes they can fix that you're not thinking of as a lesser experienced writer, less experienced writer. And I think Jay of the Dead is now one of those great minds. He stands atop the Mount Rushmore with <laughs> Sid Field and David Mamet. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, right. With these 13 tips. No, but I honestly, though, I do think they're great. Um, I think the problem was directing them toward Jason Blum <laughs> because. Um, I think you're barking up the wrong tree with this guy. I, and it's funny because generally I think I kind of agreed that he 
his films were among some of the more problematic for me, but I've always had appreciated him as a film producer. And I thought he'd done Same. some excellent work as well. And through doing the show, I actually ended up doing a lot more research into Blumhouse and Jason Blum. And my appreciation for him grew so much more after we did that episode. If we were to do it again, I would have fought tooth and nail for Jason Blum because I think he's such an interesting and important producer right now. I mean, I think he's taking chances on projects, taking risks on filmmakers, people like that you love, like M night Shyamalan and trying to give him a second chance at a career, um, well, yes, do, taking young independent filmmakers and <laughs> their works and trying to give them an audience, taking films like Eli Ross, Green Inferno that have been abandoned and picking those up and getting them released. The guy is, yes, let me just say he's, he's releasing horror short stories, literature. I mean, right. The guy's awesome. Well, okay. So yeah. Not to Le- mention Academy Award nominated <laughs> last year for Whiplash. But real quick, real quick. So leading up to that though, I mean, I was coming off of the gallows, but then right after that episode came out, the timing was very unfortunate for me because then he came out with the gift Right, yep. and then which we appreciated, right, and then they come out with the Green Inferno and and the visit, and so there were some good things later in the year for sure, and so and yeah. the other problem was that there were two problems. The other problem was he didn't give a damn about what I said. <laughs> well, I think that's not true. I think they actually, I think it was discussed internally, and they, I again, I kind of became a, a Blumhouse stalker after that episode, and I kind of was aware of their social media accounts and how they're very attentive to their social media and our audience blasted them. And not only just our audience, but (laughs) friends of the podcast, people who, um, other podcasters, people who, you know, news sites, people who got wind of the episode really, I mean, they were bombarded. There was a time when if you Googled or if you searched on Twitter, Blumhouse, horror movie podcast links <laughs> were the first 25 hits that came up, you wow. know, well, I mean, it was, for the it, it was everywhere. And I know that those guys are super int- attentive to their social media, especially because they were leading up to the launch of their new, their own news blog, um, which is excellent by the way. And something totally, again, totally unprecedented for a production company to have their own, people writing awesome blogs and stuff that are just about their love of horror and such a cool thing that they're doing. But again, I know that they saw it. I'm positive that they saw it and just due to interactions, um, you know, again, right as the gift was coming out, Jason did an AMA on Reddit, which stands for ask me anything where you keep basically it's an open forum. Anybody can send him questions and I could tell by the way things were worded (laughs) that, he had heard the podcast. So, oh, or at really? least had been given notes on the podcast if he hadn't heard it himself. <laughs> so, um, I, I do have some of his responses here. I'd like to uh, say the role of Jason Blum again. Yeah. Um, let's hear it. Let's if you like. Do we want to, do you have time that you want to read these questions that were submitted to him and then I'll respond as Jason Blum like we did before when you were, when I was kind of playing the role of Jason Blum and you were you? How long are we talking here? It's pretty long. Okay. This is a segment now on the show. Oh, I see. Because <laughs> this is something we meant to do a long time ago, and I think we should do it. Okay. Well, I mean, it is a New Year's Eve party, so let's yeah. let's just go for it. Yep. So I sent you the first one in the, in the messages there. Oh, okay. 
And you want me to ask the listener question that was given. Yeah, so him. you're the listener. And again, I will be playing the role of Jason Blum like I did in the original. Okay. Makes sense. Yeah, I got you. So what ratio of original films to sequels do you set out to make? Is there a set company mandate? Some kind of algorithm? Is it simply based on box office? Well, Jason or Wolfman Josh is who is asking this question. Uh, there's no mandate. It's largely based on box office and also uh, whether the creator of the original wants to do more. One thing that I'm most proud of with our company is that our sequels almost always are done with the original creators of the franchise. So that's pretty interesting, right? Yeah, that is good. I'm glad to hear that. Okay. And then the listener asked, that is very cool to keep those creators involved and absolutely something to be proud of. Quick follow-up. So if a film like The Marked Ones underperforms, how do you decide to go forward with The Ghost Dimension? That was a good question. Did you actually ask that one? I did. And, uh, and I asked this as well. What most appeals to you about found footage movies? So he dodged The Ghost Dimension question. <laughs> okay. But he did answer the second part, what most appeals to you about found footage movies. And Jason said, not much anymore. I always tell filmmakers that they should shoot their movies traditionally, unless it has to be done because of the story in found footage. Creep is an example of a movie that we did that could be done no other way. I think in general, there are too many found footage movies. We are trying to make less of them. Mm, that's interesting. A lot of people will be happy to hear that, I guess. Yeah, I think I would think you would be one of those people. No, I love found footage. I just don't oh. love the gallows. <laughs> okay. okay gotcha. So so do you watch others, other directors' horror releases throughout the year? And what do you think of uh, films like It Follows or The Battery, Spring, and The Babadook, if you saw them? Jason said... I see most of them. I didn't see Spring, but I love The Babadook and It Follows. They were both great. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Okay. Um, what do you think about modern horror movies usually relying on jump scares that startle audiences rather than creep them out? I love that question. That's a good question for him. He says, good horror movies need to be do both, in my opinion. They need to be scary and they need to also have those jumps. Next question. What's the hardest part of producing a film and how much input, input do you actually get in the film's direction? We have a great deal of input. The hardest part is that no matter how much success one has had in the past, it is almost like starting from scratch each and every time you do a new project. So that's interesting. Mm -hmm. I thought as well. Yes. This yes. guy's great, right? Don't oh, you love this guy? I'm just converted <laughs> already. I'm so no, I do like him. I do. I, and in fact, um, I'm so happy he made a cannibal movie uh, later in the year instead of just all dumb ghost movies. So here's another good one from him. Here we go. Here's the question. Okay. I actually have two questions out of all your films, which is the one that has scared you the most? And has there ever been an awesome script that you passed on and why? I have to say the first paranormal activity probably scared me the most of all of the films we produced. And thank you, by the way, I did pass on it because I never had the chance, but the movie I really wish I had had a chance to produce and didn't was the conjuring. And then he, he's mentioned this elsewhere, but the dumbest movie he ever passed on was actually the Blair witch project. He felt, Oh yeah. Which he did chose to not distribute. Hmm. If it's okay to ask, how did you get your start? 
Of course it's okay to ask, Jason. You can ask me anything. <laughs> he says, my roommate in college was Noah Bombach. I got my start by selling cable TV as a door-to-door salesman and using the money I made from that to help get Noah's film Kicking and Starting made. Was it Kicking and Starting or Kicking and Screaming? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I just have Kickstarter on the brain. Kicking and Screaming, which, by okay. the way, is a totally underrated film but did get a Criterion release, which is nice. And he's not referring to the Will Ferrell No, it's Noah Bombach's film. Yes, right. Which is excellent. Well, thanks for doing this. I'm curious. Has anything particularly creepy happened to you or any cast members while filming? What do you believe in regard to the paranormal? My pleasure. Nothing creepy on set. This is going to sound hypocritical, but it's how I feel. So the answer is no, I don't really believe in the paranormal or supernatural, but I did have one experience that was hard to explain. I was in New York City living on Crosby Street. And I was in my late 20s, and I'm convinced that I saw a ghost at the foot of my bed. It wasn't mean or nice. It was just was. So maybe it was a tiny bit in the paranormal, uh, but that's his experience. So That was actually me. <laughs> just kidding. How do you plan distribution for movies like the one you produce? Uh, would you agree that distribution begins in the storyline? I do. We think about how we are going to market at the script stage. This is not usual, but I think it's important, even if you are only going for a small audience. How do you tackle the challenge of bringing something fresh to the horror genre? We ask ourselves when we analyze every script, is, this something, is there something new or different about this? So he's asking these questions of himself, Jack. Yeah, I'm impressed. <laughs> so ghost films have hit a rather lucrative trend thanks to your Paranormal Activity series. Do you think this will last, or do you think another movement of horror could be right around the corner? <laughs> Good question. There's no way to know, but I'm guessing something new is going to come sooner rather than later. Uh, there's always new trends. Do you ever worry about the projects you get behind not being as successful as others? Not that course, they aren't I'm successful, sorry. but still. Of course I do, and some are not successful for sure. I worry about it all the time, but I don't let it stop me from making new things or taking risks on things I like or things that are different. How do you decide which movies you'd like to carry under your Blumhouse banner? Do you choose personally, or do you have a crack team of professional horror aficionados? Reading your book currently, Fantastic Anthology Horror, thanks for all that you do. So glad you liked the book. We chose the films in both ways. That we choose the films in both ways that you describe. We all discuss it, but ultimately I have the final say. I don't often veto, but I have the power and I do sometimes for sure. At a time when most movie studios make fewer movies that each cost more and therefore all have to be event movies that have to be box office home runs in order to succeed... Your strategy seems to be the opposite. Lots of low-budget movies, meaning a lot of at-bats with an occasional home run. <laughs> this person's into baseball. Yeah. How, how did you figure that out? And to what do you attribute the fact that you figured it out when apparently no one else in the industry did? Blum says, I'm going to print this question out and hang it on my wall. <laughs> You're right in everything you say above. I figured it out by trial and error and by having lots of great mentors and working in the business for a long time. As to your last question, I can't answer that, and I have no idea. 
So that's, I think if Jason Blum had come on our show to respond to some of the things you said, I feel like these are some of the answers he, he may have given. I feel like the larger audience on Reddit had a lot of the similar concerns that, that you had. Good. And I thought his answers were pretty good. I thought he handled himself well. And I feel like we and the general public underestimates him a little bit. I think it's clear to me from hearing his responses that he's very cognizant of the process that they did, you know, their process. Um, he's trying to, he's trying to be relevant, trying to um, change with the times, trying to evolve. And I was, I don't know. I've just been nothing but impressed by Jason Blum. So that's kind of my take on that episode. But again, I do think your points um, were excellent and I encouraged you to just kind of, cut those that section of that podcast out and maybe put it on your <laughs> five minutes of horror. Uh, oh yeah. I need to get back page, to that. Cause I think that would be excellent. Well, thanks. Uh, maybe I will, but yeah, It'd I mean, it's easier to disseminate without kind of the trigger point of Jason Blum or the flashpoint. Yeah. Well, and it, it, by the way, if he keeps making films like the gift and the green inferno and um, what was the other one? The visit then. Yeah. I won't have as many problems. I know he was currently on the set of the new M. Night Shyamalan movie that they are making together, so I'm looking oh, forward to that. Nice. Okay, well, speaking of found footage, Josh, do you remember in August we did the found footage convention in horror, and that's when we had our interview with Eduardo Sanchez, uh, director of the Blair Witch Project. That was a highlight this year. Oh, that was our second interview with him this year. He's been on, He was on two episodes this year, which... I really enjoyed. Um, he did, we did the uh, the Bigfoot episode as well, right? And that was actually uh, 2014, but yes, I mean we have oh, okay. had that one. Yeah, I, I love Eduardo Sanchez. Um, I really relate to him actually, and um, I'm looking forward to the stuff he's doing. I know he's working with Robert Rodriguez. I think he actually might be working with Jason Blum now as well. So he's doing a lot of cool stuff, and. I'm really grateful he's been on our show twice. We have one other upcoming appearance that I know about for our um, Alien Invasion episode where we'll be talking about one of his films again. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm excited for that too. So, Josh, in August is when we started doing the Scream franchise review and that, that covered uh, episodes 65 through 68. And that was pretty fun. I remember one of my favorite things about that was just um, your particular... Um, enthusiasm and, and knowledge of that was a really, really good time for me. And I bet the listeners enjoyed that too. Yeah, it's interesting. I, uh, I, I love that movie and that series generally. And um, it was so much fun to do that. And I really regretted that I was in Bogota at the time. My internet connection wasn't as strong as it should have been, but I appreciate you letting me uh, take part in that still. And we had a lot of new listeners come during that review, I'm sure some of that had to do with uh, Wes Craven's unfortunate passing as well. But um, some really active listeners that I'm in touch with on Twitter and Instagram and stuff that I, I, I'm really glad we did those movies that we could find those people and connect. And, and I just love our listeners so much. And, and it was fun to find people that love that movie as much as me. Yes, I agree. And do you know what else is a highlight for me? It was in episode 69 when we reviewed The Visit. We had a special guest named Rachel Legary. Your wife was on the show with That's us. That's right. Absolutely. And so she was a big highlight. I always love talking to her because she's super intelligent, 
like you. And so um way smarter than me, yeah. That's true. But tell <laughs> tell her to come back. We'd like to talk to her more. Hard to get her to watch a horror movie. She did watch most of Goodnight Mommy though. Oh sweet. Okay. When you see that, we'll we'll do that. <laughs> I did see it. It was on my list. In oh, fact. that's right. That's right. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Just so listeners know, it's like, it's getting late for us. So we're a little bit loopy, but, um, 31 days of Halloween, we did written reviews. Uh, mostly Dr. Shock did, but we helped out. And I just want to tell everybody to be sure that you read Dr. Shock's, um, review of, a Rhodes opera house fire story. It's like real life horror, extremely tragic, equally as tragic as the bear story. Crazy. Yeah, that was really fun to do. I'm glad we got a chance to do that, and I'm glad Dave uh, spotted us so much on that. But that was a great thing that the listeners really uh, prompted us to do, and a lot of them shared their 31 Days of Halloween all throughout the month. And if you want to go read those written reviews, it's, it's a fun, different element to the podcast that we don't usually do. Yeah, it sure is. And that's um, my first love of film criticism is writing reviews, so... I miss and it was it. totally new to me, and that was fun to do. <laughs> I couldn't even tell. Um, the other thing that happened in October is our buddy uh, Kyle Bishop. He's our co-host as well, Dr. Walking Dead. He released his book, How Zombies Conquered Popular Culture, his second book. I was proud of him for that. And then in October, for our Halloween celebration in October, we did the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. And um, that was intense, Josh. <laughs> that it, I, I did not dislike it as much as I fear. I was really worried about that because those are movies I've been avoiding most of my life, to be totally honest. And you know what? Even though they're not my favorite, um, mostly just because I don't love Freddy. I love the dream concept. I like the idea. I would love to see remakes and reboots of this franchise and reimaginings. Um, and they're, they're really inventive films. That, like with the times that they got inventive with the dream world is when I was most interested. The time it was kind of just goofy jokes and pop cultural references that didn't have much uh, weight to them. That's when I really started losing interest. But, um, but there was some good stuff in there, and I'm glad we did it, honestly, even though it was mentally... <laughs> it was a slog. Uh, it was only, yeah, it was kind of, there was a lot of mental anguish for me during that, but... Yeah, well, and I do agree, though, that the artistry, I mean, there is a lot of creativity and artistry on display in that franchise, and I was happy to see that. But but yeah, I mean, after that, I, I really felt kind of burnt out, and um, so we ended up going, shortly after that, we went back to our bi-weekly schedule, where we still <laughs> so are. What the listeners got for requesting that, is, <laughs> guess what, we're back to bi-weekly. No. Are you happy now, listeners? <laughs> no. No, and, and and we will be for the foreseeable future. It seems to be working best for all of us right now as the bi-weekly schedule. But um, also, in October, on October 25th, we actually celebrated our two-year anniversary of Horror Movie Podcast. And we got some really nice listener feedback on that. Like, a lot of people commented, and, and they were just extremely gracious. And I wish I could read them all, but I'm just going to read two. These are worth it. Shannon wrote... I got hooked on podcasts because of Kevin Smith and his Smodcast network. Then I found The Nerdist. Then I went on a horror movie podcast hunt, and the first one I tried was HMP, and the rest is history. I don't want to play favorites, but because of HMP, I discovered Land of the Creeps, Terror Troop, The Resurrection of Zombie 7, Midnight Movie Cowboys, and of course, MPW, MSC. Geekcast Live and the Sci-Fi Podcast. It's like six degrees of HMP. I love all these amazing personalities and have become friends with many of these people present 
and past on Facebook. And of course, all the people I've met on the boards. This is an amazing community, and I'm so proud to be a part of it. Hail to the king. Long live HMP. So that was very nice, Shannon. And, awesome, man. And speaking of the amazing community, um, the next comment is from Juan. And I'll just tell you something about Juan real quick, Josh. And I know you know this, in case the listeners don't. Many people in the our community... A tribute. I mean, I mean, a lot of people contribute to the community, but many people actually credit Juan uh, among the members as being one of the people who really got the conversation active and going on the message boards. And and I know that you help a lot with that too, Josh. So we appreciate Juan. And this is what he wrote, and it kind of blew me away because I tell you what, Juan busts our chops a lot, especially my chops. But he wrote the nicest thing, so I'm going to read it here. About two years ago, I was working at a dead-end job that frustrated me both physically and mentally, sometimes even emotionally. With my spirit broken and my hopes and dreams collecting dust and cobwebs, I decided to lift my spirits by rekindling my love for horror. I've always been a horror lover, but I'd never taken the time to properly analyze it. I figured listening to people talk about my favorite genre would at least help time go faster at work. It took one Google search to find the answer to my prayers. There it was, right at the top of the search, horror movie podcast. He says, cue in angelic chorus. (laughs) (laughs) Had I known uh, what I know now, I would have clicked it faster. Yeah. (laughs) yeah. Now, I'll be honest with you. It wasn't love at first listen. I'm not sure if it was my state of mind at the time, but I had a hard time getting through that first episode. Granted, it was a five-hour show. (laughs) It was the second episode that hooked me with your review of The Conjuring, which was my favorite horror movie that year. I remember being quite happy with Josh's and Dave's reviews, but pretty mad at Jay. (laughs) Now, Josh, that right there, classic Juan. I mean, that sounded so familiar. Yeah, that's also classic. Uh, that's that's kind of what works so well, I think, about it. I know we've just got so many listeners that are constantly angry with me and listeners that are constantly angry with you. And everybody's pretty cool with Dr. Shaw. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> I know but uh, it, when he says in here, pretty mad at Jay, he said, I still am to this day. <laughs> and then he said, after finishing that meaty episode, I went through Jay's archives like a possessed madman. I couldn't get enough of these guys, and once I was done listening to Horror Metropolis and the weekly horror movie podcast, the then bi-weekly format of HMP was killing me softly. It was then that I jumped on the boards with the hope to get the conversation going, and it worked to small effect at first. The boards back then were a far cry to what they are now. I tried getting into a few other podcasts, but... None that could match the mighty HMP. Suddenly, it wasn't just content that I was thirsting for. It was listening to these guys in particular. Their personalities, their jokes, their insights, their theories. I even missed their voices. They were already dear friends of mine, at least in my mind, and even though we had never met or talked. And uh, Juan, we feel the same way. Thank you. That was an incredible comment, huh, Josh? For sure, buddy. That was awesome. And then (sighs) we did... (laughs) uh, we're almost done with this year in review by the way Uh, but we did our cannibals episode our cannibal theme which is fun talked about and you already mentioned how we uh, lost Wes Craven which is very sad and then uh, the other highlight remember I told you there were two highest moments 
of the year. And it was in episode 76, Josh, when you gave your campfire tale about Virginia's handyman. That was one of the greatest moments. I'm not going to play it here because people need to go back and listen to episode 76. Josh tells this incredible true story that will keep you awake at night. It's amazing. It scared me just tonight, actually. We had a Christmas party. Um, it's just to, just to date this episode. We're recording this uh, right before Christmas. And um, I, I sacrificed the end of a of a Christmas party and, by the way, the finale of Survivor to record this episode, which is wow. a big deal for me, just yes. so you guys know. It is a huge sacrifice for But you. I had to run out some garbage out, so I was walking around the back of my house in the dark to this garbage can and you know the house next door where it happened is right there and it's and I was like putting the garbage into the can and I could just feel the eyes on the back of my head and I got a cold chill and the hairs on the back of my neck stood up and freaked myself out and I had to run back into the house. <laughs> oh my goodness. I, that's awful. I mean it is and and I've thought about that story of yours a lot. So that was a great moment. Thanks for contributing that. That was tremendous. And then we closed off the year with another At Your Mercy episode. And then we did our Christmas Horror in 2015, which is our previous show. And thanks for mentioning that because if people, um, you know, we're recording this today. It's December 16th, which just turned to 17th a little bit ago. Um, If you're sending in your top 10 stuff after this, I mean, definitely keep them coming. You're welcome to send it in. But if you're wondering why maybe your picks didn't get mentioned on here, that's why we recorded this pretty early. But, uh, you know, leave it in the comments too, in the message boards. Yeah. Leave a comment with your lists on this, uh, in that the show notes for this episode. And then everybody can see, even though we tabular J should say tabulated your scores, we can see what each of you individually thought. That's exactly right. Thank you. Okay, at this point during Horror Movie Podcast episode 79 and Horror on the Go's January 1st, 2016 audio broadcast, I'm joined once again by my co-host Wolfman Josh. And we want to welcome another HMP host, and that is Dr. Walking Dead, Kyle Bishop. Welcome back, sir. I am back from the wasteland of finals. (laughs) So happy you're here, and uh, because you get to wish the... Listeners, a happy new year. This is going to come out on uh, December 30th. So some people might be listening to this on New Year's Eve, maybe. I hope everyone is relatively safe, not taking too big of chances, and that no one is being uh, eviscerated by monsters. (laughs) Right. That's right. Well, speaking of that, this is is interesting. A big reason I wanted Kyle to come on here as uh, we have a a new segment, which we've talked about recently, where we do real-life horror. And I've been pondering something, and I have this theory. I believe that there's a real zombie plague upon us, and I'm not even joking. And I know that already in a, in process. Yes, sir. Exactly. It's, it's not just cell phones. No, and and I I also think because this kind of sounds like it's a setup for a punchline, but I'm dead serious <laughs> about this. So. With Dr. Walking Dead's knowledgeable oversight here, what I want to do is kind of lay down just four simple points. I know this is a little bit reductive, Kyle, but I'm just trying to get some points out there to describe the nature of the traditional zombie outbreak, at yeah. least as we've come to understand it in horror Let's do cinema. It. It's, okay. it's always good to review. Okay, well, you yell at me if I mess up anything. So my theory here 
has to do with infection of sorts. And so I'm going to approach this as if it's like a contagious zombie virus perspective. Okay, so so number one, something takes hold of the creature and greatly affects its behavior, you know, taking it to the extreme and it causes the infected creature to behave in an unnatural manner or in a way that is unseemly. And so when I'm using the word creature here, I'm referring to human beings in this instance. Okay. Okay. And the infection uh, somehow reconfigures or redirects the creature's mind to focus on a solitary objective instead of like the typical human goals like career aspirations or family or hobbies, etc. Right. And, and the, this, this mm-hmm. refocusing, it, does it uh, preclude all other impulses to the point of detracting from one's agency? Um, I believe so, but you guys can be the judge. Okay. Yeah, I, I believe so, honestly. It would seem, at least. Okay. Number three, the reason the new behavior is considered unnatural is because the infection results in the death of the host creature itself, right? Thus, oh, yeah. The walking dead. And, and as well as the death of other potential hosts or other human beings. Okay, so... That's good. This is good because at first I th- was afraid we were getting a Sunday school lesson on uh, the, the dangers <laughs> of video games or pornography. <laughs> no, no, no. But and, and I did. I meant to say at the beginning though, this might sound like I'm going political or even like moral, you know. But I'm not trying to do any of that, and I, I want to try to steer clear of that because this is honest to goodness. Okay. The, the legit zombie stuff, I think, or a form of it. And then number four, finally, the infection has two primary directives, basically, and that's to promote further infection and to destroy the host species, which is weird, right, Kyle? I mean, right. that's kind of, um, <laughs> that doesn't seem like, like from an evolutionary standpoint, that doesn't seem like a zombie- zombieism sustainable Right, and I, I have co-written a weird paper on that subject uh, <laughs> about how at some point a zombie infection would have to achieve a point of stasis or the zombie virus would itself die out because it got rid of all its hosts, but continue. Yes, <laughs> that's excellent. Okay, um, so what we just said, those four points, I set those up to broadly describe the traditional zombie virus outbreak Yes. More or less. So, Talking in terms of the biological infectious zombieism, mm-hmm. you have summed it up admirably. Oh, well, thank you. I have a good teacher. <laughs> now, um, I, I've realized, so here, here's where we get down to it. I've realized to my horror that I, I believe a real zombie-like plague is upon us, and it has been for years now, actually. And, and I've even named it something. So for short, you could call it Vi. Um, mm-hmm. VII, which stands for Violent Ideology Infection. Or if you think it's cooler, we could alternatively call it seven, like the Roman numeral seven, VII. Ah. <laughs> so whichever you prefer. Maybe the David seven. Fincher fans. You like, like seven? Yeah, I like seven, yeah. Okay, let's call it that. It has a 911 kind of thing to it. Oh, yeah. I like that yeah, too, Josh. And I, I think I see where you're going with this. Okay. Uh, continue. I'm so excited. So um, I'm going to define violent ideology infection. In simplest terms, I, I think it's an infection that overtakes the agency of an otherwise normal host and irreversibly convinces it to believe 
that the protection or promotion of its ideology, and by ideology I mean its beliefs or its agenda, justifies the destroying of other lives. Or in other words, to put it a simpler way, the infected host's worldview is important enough to warrant the killing of others in order to further its cause. Okay. Now, I'm not going to... I know that now it seems like we're getting in a sticky situation, but I'm not going to like point out any single group or organization because I, I think this is an infection of humanity at large, and it's an infection whose symptoms devolve into inhumanity. And so, I mean, I know I said I'm not going to name names, <laughs> but, and I'm not, I'm not blaming. I think you can name one group safely. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, like for example, um, uh, possibly Nazis, right? Um, or recently in the news, we've had a lot from, um, you know, extremists that are killing people randomly, right? But if you if you think about various groups throughout time who have been this way, then then that's what I want you to think of. So, like a zombie plague that's in the movies, though, no one is immune from the violent ideology infection. Right. Okay. And I'm just going to lay this theory aside here on because I want you to like look at it with the the points that I began with. So I want to kind of set it up here. So if you look at like the head headlines that are recent to illustrate, I'll just use that uh, the couple in San Bernardino, California. Mm-hmm. Very sad. Um, they killed 14 people on December 2nd. And um, if people aren't familiar, they, you know, they had this extremist ideology and they basically dropped off their six-month-old baby daughter to the grandma and then they wore masks and armed themselves and they shot up a holiday party and killed 14 people. And, and they ended up getting killed themselves and they left their baby orphaned. So if you think of them, if you keep them in mind, let's go over the steps again. Something takes hold of the creature and greatly affects its behavior, taking it to an extreme and causes the infected creature to behave in an unnatural manner or a way that is unseemly. And this... Infection somehow reconfigures the creature's mind to focus on a solitary objective rather than typical human objectives such as career or family. Uh-huh. And um, the reason the behavior is unnatural is because it results in the death of the host creature itself as well as the uh-huh. death of others. And then the infection has two primary directives, promote further infection, you know, to inspire and to destroy the host species. So. Yeah. So what are your thoughts so far? Do you guys hate this or? No, I don't hate it at all. I mean, it's. I it's, still feel uh, like I'm waiting for the big reveal. Am I am wrong to do so? Be doing so? Well, I mean. Yes, you've, you've missed it, Josh. <laughs> okay. no, no. I mean, that is kind of the reveal. I mean, there is this. Um, it's weird how it spreads. I want, I mean, I want to talk about that aspect of it because like it, it, it spreads to those who are similar, uh, meaning it makes people like them. So, like, if if these extremists want to, like, blow up people or whatever, then that inspires others to do it and create more violent attackers. But it also spreads to those who are dissimilar, like the way it's infected my home, for example. You know, we have fear and worry, and, and I feel this, like, fight. You know, you, know you, you hear this stuff on the news when I heard about Paris. It's so upset, and you're like, oh, I just why didn't somebody take them out, you know, and you get really upset. And then you start adopting this violent ideological infection. Right. And um, 
Well, so no, I, I think you're right. And I think it's really interesting because uh, you end up with at least two uh, coexistent and antagonistic zombies or more mm-hmm. uh, because, because radical ideology begets further radical ideology. So like you're saying, when a, when an extremist is conducting a terrorist activity that results in the death of others and often themselves, mm-hmm. uh, they not only pass on that quote unquote infection to others of their mindset, but also inspire a similarly radical and pervasive ideology to develop in an opposite camp. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Yeah, and the, the, uh, the zombie narrative to which I feel like I can most closely relate this to is, is the rage virus. And yeah. Mm-hmm. 28 days later. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Without, without the speed, cause the ideology is, is sluggish. Uh, but it does have periods of acceleration. So, I mean, uh, clearly yeah. you're, you're, you're speaking to something that we're seeing as, as uh, the particular extremist group of ISIS gets more and more followers. Uh, it causes Westerners who feel attacked or are attacked to inspire their cohort to be more radicalized, uh, which is then used as a recruiting tool for the original group. Uh, and, and so, yeah, I, I, I am not afraid to speak more overtly than you. Uh, but clearly, ISIS is encouraging a response from the right-wing political party, particularly through the spokesperson of Trump. And through uh, Donald Trump's <laughs> speech, he is assisting ISIS in their further recruiting of radicals, which is only going to escalate the Western reaction to their radicalism. And so then what you end up with is a type of zombie narrative that we haven't really explored well, although they've ex- we've explored it poorly in warm bodies, which is two different kinds of zombies that attack each other as well as the uninfected humans who happen to get in their way. Yes. Well said. It's so an interesting take on the zombie narrative too, that you would think we'd have seen more of during the Bush administration or even the Obama administration. You know, there was equal amounts of frustration from, you know, the conservative population during that administration. Yeah. So it's interesting that, we haven't seen that in movie form as much, but I, it's actually a great jumping off point for a film. It is. And I, I think you can read a lot of uh, zombie films as a response to increased terrorist activity. Uh, I do all the time. Uh, right. Most of my new book is, a, is boils down to terrorist uh, metaphors, but I don't think it's been explored as blatantly as it could be. And clearly not in the way that, that of, that Jay's lined, lined out for us. And I think yeah. there's something pretty rich about that. This idea, I do love the idea of an infection that begets a counter infection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that's interesting. That's really interesting. And yeah. thank you. And I have a little more too, that parallels the whole zombie outbreak. And you know how we refer to zombies as living dead or walking dead. Well, that's interesting yes. when you think about suicide bombers or those who right. are intending to take themselves out as, as well, because they're ready to sacrifice themselves. They're right. prepared for it. They're already dead. Yep, yep, dead men walking. And so they... Oh, absolutely. Yeah, there's this idea of like this whole death cult mentality, which is a, a form of living dead. And so Kyle and Josh, I think, you know, we've all known about this subconsciously without calling it a zombie plague, of course, but... I think that because we're seeing this kind of, um, these kind of, for lack of a better expression, story beats, if you will, in real life, I think that's maybe a reason, one reason why the zombie narrative has become so popular now 
And and speaking of that, the, I I've also identified other forms maybe of a zombie-like plague infection. <laughs> okay, so like uh, spoilers for Pontypool, everybody. If you mm-hmm. you know take your headphones off for like sixty seconds, but even in our language, we've become, in my opinion, like infected with this pervasive ailment that I think is kind of wrecking our ability to speak. In fact. I was demonstrating it a little bit earlier, like a couple minutes ago, uh, and that's excessive political correctness. I mean, I think we should be um, mindful of others and not be, you know, jackasses in what we say. But but I think that it has almost gone over an edge where it's difficult to communicate or even to be clear. Um, so that's just one opinion of mine. Maybe other people feel like that's Well, the, the most literal manifestation of what you're talking about is Facebook itself. I mean, we're almost to the point in this election cycle where, where we could call Facebook a, a zombie itself or a zombie breeding ground because all people do is they, they get infected with an ideological position and then their Facebook page becomes a forum for reposting those opinions. Yeah. And so you get the you get two or three different perspectives <laughs> that are just flooding everybody's Facebook pages. Yes. And it seems to me that nobody is articulating an original thought. Everyone is simply sharing someone else's share of something else someone else someone else maybe said. <laughs> they're not even they're not even reading the articles. They're just reading the blurb. No, they're reading the headline and then they're just <laughs> posting it and then someone challenges them and they say, "Oh, I, I didn't actually read it." But uh or- and and the lack of nobody really cares about facts or truth or or any kind of background. And then the conversations and this is where I think you're nailing it is if you read some of these longer threads, um, all it does is is re-entrench everyone. It just it yeah. it exacerbates the ideological infection because no one comes away from a Facebook debate changed to someone else's perspective. <laughs> they only believe their own perspective more. <laughs> and so I think there's I think there's something going on with that. And somebody should take a, a Ponty pool like approach to social media. <laughs> you could have a pretty good narrative out of that. Nice. I love that. Yes. And and uh, what you were saying about just like regurgitating someone else's thoughts, I mean, the, the same applies, you know, with podcasts, when people copy someone else's podcast wholesale, yeah. right, Josh? Yes. <laughs> and and I believe also addiction, like any form of addi- addiction, like drug there addiction is, or whatever. There's, that's there's what I was the porn for. talk. Yeah, like, or, or drugs, you know, that's another variant of this because that, that lines up with the four steps that we were talking about earlier. And then finally, just my final words here, and this is, I'll just hit this briefly for people who are interested because probably, I don't know, I don't know how many people would be. I'm not preaching. Um, let me see. I, I think that this violent ideology infection, if you believe like the Bible, to be true, which I do, I, I think the first outbreak victim was Cain, who killed his brother Abel. So Cain was patient zero. Yes, <laughs> that's what I think. And uh, that's Genesis 4.8. Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him. So anyway, that's my uh, that's my thought on this. And thanks for inter- entertaining it for a minute and listening. I don't know what to do with it now. What do we wow, do the, now? The- the greatest zombie infection is simply the desire to kill. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Cause that's what zombies want to do. They just want to eat you 
and you're dead. Mm-hmm. You know, that's it. So. No, I mean, you're right. And this is one of the things that makes this um, really, really tense ideological battle we're facing right now really scary. Because, uh, I mean, a month ago, I was really scared of ISIS. And now I'm really pretty scared of Trump. Uh, and they're just building each other up and up and up and up. And I don't want to see America become more, more warmongerish than we are. Uh, but that's where the escalation's headed. Oh, uh, yeah. And the same thing happened, you know, 12 years ago or whatever. Um, right, right, right. We decided we were going to fight a war on people that we couldn't see and that were everywhere. And they radicalized our own government to so to the point where we were losing our freedoms and privacy because um you know out of fear basically out of the a, a knee-jerk reaction of right fear, so well i was just tweeting about that today because i my kids and i watched uh, attack of the clones to ramp up to the new movie <laughs> yes and uh okay. attack of the clones came out in O two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. so it was close enough to the patriot act that, that mm-hmm. lucas could have been intentionally kind of casting Palpatine's <laughs> rise to power in terms of George W. Bush's efforts. Cause it's pretty similar guys. Uh, it's like, I, I'm going to get <laughs> these special authorities that will take away some of your civil liberties, but it's okay because I'm only doing it to protect you. And once that we're safe, I'll, I promise I'll give all the power back. <laughs> right. Right. Hmm. Just, just saying we've been there before. We're on the cusp of something important. So I do admonish our fans to educate yourselves first and then please vote. Uh, mm-hmm. do, do not vote as a zombie votes, which is mm-hmm. what everyone on Facebook told me to vote for this guy. Right. Uh, please, please educate yourselves into the issues. Decide who you really want to lead our country and then get out there and voice your opinion so we can move forward. Whatever that means. I'm voting for you, Kyle. Kyle Public Bishop for president. Yeah, no way. <laughs> I don't even want to be chair again. <laughs> Well, um, so anyway, good ideas, Jay. Those are it's well, really you. interesting. And for our, our non-U.S. listeners, would like to take a poll of who you think should be our president over on moviehormonepodcast.com. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> please write in with your selection. <laughs> yeah. So, um, was speaking of like inflammatory opinions and so forth, as we uh, close out this show finally this evening, um, we do have a quick message for this horror audience, horror movie podcast. Um, at large, <laughs> from Andy Howell, who is a host over at Movie Podcast Weekly and occasionally on Movie Streamcast. Right, Josh? Yes, that's true. Okay, so here's Andy. Hi, fellas. You're bad men. You are all dark central core having bastards. <laughs> we also have lady listeners. I'll have you know, sir. Oh, I was speaking just to the hosts. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I would begin to delve into the psychopathy of your listeners. <laughs> Touche. Anyway, that's from Andy. <laughs> I hope everybody feels uplifted and enlightened. <laughs> Actually, he's a horror fan too. I'm surprised he didn't use that for the lead-in. That would have been a great bumper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, I think that just about wraps up episode 79 of Horror Movie Podcasts. And we thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this show. And uh, be sure to join us next time to hear more about what's coming in 2016 and maybe a few predictions maybe so we want to thank our uh, good friend and fellow co-host here uh, Kyle Bishop Dr. Walking Dead he is the author of How Zombies Conquered Popular Culture I bought that book it's awesome Uh, Kyle what do you want to tell the listeners Uh, I want to tell my listeners that uh, New Year's Day presents are awesome (laughs) Uh, and 
Everyone needs this book. I'm telling you, it'll change your life. I mean, my book. In case yeah, there will I got be it for Christmas, part. Kyle. And the yeah. favorite present I opened on Christmas morning. It's very pretty. <laughs> uh, but yeah, follow me on uh, at Doctor Walking Dead. I occasionally tweet interesting things. That's right. Not always, just occasionally. How often do you tweet um, fun, humorous and entertaining political commentary? <laughs> oh, I never use. I never tweet politics. Okay. Okay. I, I am. I'm alienating myself from all my friends on Facebook because that's all I use Facebook. I was for. gonna say I'm on Facebook, and you do face. <laughs> you do these several Facebook updates that are quite political. All I do on Facebook is work in politics, and all I do on Twitter is like uh, pop culture, movies, monsters, TV. Okay. So that's uh, so that's why Twitter's a little more appealing to most people, I think. I got gotcha. you. All right. Yeah. Check it out. Uh, thank you. Thank you. We'll have it linked in the show notes so people can check that stuff out. What do you got, Wolfman Josh? Uh, just check out Movie Streamcast at moviestreamcast.com. It is a good podcast. <laughs> also, uh, you can check out the Sci Fi Podcast um, where I am a producer and, and sometimes co host. We did a lot of fun Star Wars coverage over. Uh, the month of December and if you missed any of that it, it would be a lot of fun to check out we did the science of Star Wars and we did the origins of Star Wars and we did a live uh, reaction show and cool. we did the legacy of Star Wars so it was kind of fun it was a fun month we'll I will be catching up on that nice yeah excellent yeah, and as for me, um, I just want to make sure people check out uh, Movie Podcast Weekly. We did our top 10 movies of 2015 show. It is the all genres equivalent of what you've heard tonight here. And uh, the Wolfman Josh is also joining us over there. So you know that there will be a hot time in the old town tonight, as they <laughs> yes. say. Yeah, you're so old. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> you're an old soul. I am. And the, I'm talking like 1800s old. I know. Well, I realize that's an old expression, but I was quoting Tim Burton's Batman 1989, <laughs> the Joker. So uh, the other thing, just as a recommendation, and this goes for you, Kyle Bishop, the non-2015 horror that I loved the most this year was The Shrine from 2010. Learned oh, about. Oh, yeah. I've seen that. Okay, cool. Learned about that from Red Cap Jack. Did you like it, Kyle? I, I liked it okay. It was, it was nicely creepy. <laughs> yes, and then The Ordeal from 2004. That was another At Your Mercy pick. Um, Eat, which Kyle, and we <laughs> had a blast talking about that, huh, Kyle? I liked Eat way more than I should have. <laughs> and then The Taking of Deborah Logan, pretty creepy, right, Josh? Yeah, I didn't like that movie, but yeah, it was creepy. <laughs> I, I thought you did kind of like it, but I Not guess that was wrong. you. I, I, I have a soft spot in my heart for it, but I have a lot of problems with it, too. Okay. You're not attracted to the uh, Deborah Logan character? I am. That's the only part I like. Okay. It's hot. All right. But, and then Ghost Ship uh, from 2002, you know, revisit that for the opening kill scene. It's Ugh. tremendous. You like that one, Kyle? No, it's... Kyle, oh, I have a, a weird affinity for physics, and I, I just have a problem with that film. <laughs> <laughs> but what about the opening scene? Is that I problematic? I have a problem with the opening scene. Yes, oh, man. Oh, Sorry. man. All right. Well, um, and then finally, uh, rest stop dead ahead. Um, that's a good time as well. Make sure you work those in. They were a good time for me this year. 
It's been a great year. Um, I enjoyed these movies, even though my number one was the only one that really knocked me over and scared the crap out of me. I, I enjoyed my top ten list. I enjoyed your top ten list, and I'm really looking forward to digging into some of Bill's recommendations. But I just wanted to say thanks so much to our listeners. I, I, I mentioned this before when I was talking about Scream. There's always some little factor that brings in a bunch of new listeners, you know, and a lot of that comes from our coverage of the different franchises. But I always get a kick out of meeting new listeners and hearing what people like and dislike about the podcasts. And I had a couple of listeners really get after me the other day, which was a lot of fun to put myself in Jay of the Dead shoes. So um, <laughs> I, I just really I just really appreciate the interaction and it makes it all worthwhile, guys. For I know we have a lot of listeners that have never come to the boards, and that's fine. I'm that kind of listener of many of my favorite podcasts. But just so you know, it really does make our day. And if you're and if you're not going to come and get involved in the community, please at least leave us a review, preferably a five star review and subscribe on iTunes. That's such a simple way to support the show. And, and we're so thankful for those of you who've done that. Wow. Yes, I couldn't have said it better. And uh, that's why we do it is for you know that sounds so trite i hate that but it's super cool to have this interaction and these listeners have said it before it's really neat to have a community of friends who feel the same way you do about horror cinema Um, because honestly you don't find a lot of people in your everyday life typically that appreciate it so i i I like how you know even the community like our our approach to it is to analyze it and discuss it and dissect it and i love how our community does that too josh yeah for sure and for the even even bigger minority of those of us who don't have friends who listen watch survivor come over to movie streamcast (laughs) (laughs) having a party over there all right well this is party time I'm going to go watch that uh, finale now, Jay. Okay, well, I hope you have a good time, Josh, and thanks for being here. Thanks, buddy. Okay, I'm going to take it on home from here. We love your comments, as we've said, so please get involved in the community. Leave us a message. You can email us at horrormoviepodcast at gmail.com or leave a voicemail at 801-382-8789. You can find all of our episodes, including the weekly Horror Movie Podcast and Horror Metropolis, at our website, horrormoviepodcast.com. As Josh said, you can subscribe free in iTunes and you can follow us on Twitter at HorrorMovieCast. And I want to thank Fred Ingram for the use of his music for our podcast theme song. You can find more of Fred's music at FrederickIngram.com. And all of this stuff that we've just discussed will be linked in the show notes for episode 79 here. And make sure, listeners, that you check out A Horror on the Go, too, by the way. Bill Shetty's next edition is coming out on February 1st. 2016 and that's it for um, horror movie podcast episode 79 we thank you for listening and join us again friday after next which is january 15th for horror movie podcast where we're dead serious about horror movies 